Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek. This is now episode 42 of the podcast. Riv is not here. He had some personal issues to deal with today. But we just got finished doing a live stream of the draft. Some free agent news that we haven't talked about yet. We still have to talk about. So I'm excited to talk about this stuff. Yeah, and I know you saved the Harden topic for last. You know, I know we've been looking forward to that one since last week we were debating about it. So I'm excited for this episode. I hope that for the Harden topic, I still have some energy left to talk about it. <laughs> and Hamza, we, you could press go live now if you want. We, we were really going at it that day in, in the chat. And Rube was kind of moderating. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, And I think we both have reasonable points you know i think that there's a case to be made for both sides but it's going to be fun and, and i'm excited to get basketball back in general because yeah i don't know about you but i'm a basketball guy first i love football too but i'm a basketball guy first so to get basketball back into the fold is a lot of fun i'm definitely a football guy first because the knicks have disappointed me for so long <laughs> so i just kind of got out of basketball but we're gonna go on to our first topic of the day which is the first overall pick anthony edwards he was taken by Minnesota, and now this begs the question, how good will the Timberwolves be this upcoming season, which is in about a month? Well, I mean, when you talk about Edwards, obviously you saw what he did at Georgia. He was, if not the best player, one of the best players in the country all year long, and you know he has the tools. He's a great player. He's a crazy physical talent, and he can score the basketball. He needs to improve his jump shot a little bit. He's not a great defender, but he has the tools to become a great defender. The thing that scares me the most about Edwards is, like we mentioned on draft night, that quote that he had coming into the draft. I don't know why he ever would say something like that in an interview, but to say that you don't really love basketball like that or you know, you would drop the NBA draft for the NFL draft in a heartbeat, yeah. that's concerning for me if I'm banking my franchise on a guy. Now, with that being said... He was the pick for them, I think. When you look back on it, he fits their rotation better than anybody else in the entire top 10, I would say. And I agree with that. I mean, he even said, he says he's still not ready. He's still not really into basketball. He doesn't watch it like that. So that kind of gives you, does he study the game? Is he studying players for him to get better? And he said that. He said, I I have trouble watching the game. He, yeah. he said, like, he won't turn on the game just for enjoyment. He's, I'm sure he studies film because at that level you have to. It's like a job. It is a job. It's Unless like you're a job. freakishly athletic like him. But Even so, you know, you have to study defenses and stuff like that if you want to get to the level that you would hope yeah. your first pick is going to. He definitely has all the talent to be the best player in this draft. But what's concerning to me is he's really inefficient. I mean, he shot 29% from three. In the NBA, you have to be able to shoot, especially if you're a shooting guard. I know that he has those athletic abilities, but then when you look at a guy that they drafted before number one or they traded for in Wiggins, Wiggins had that same type of motivation motivation problems. Exactly. (laughs) Wiggins. He was supposed to be a star, and Anthony Edwards, they're probably drafting a guy who should be a star but might not be because of the motivation problems. And back then, they had Rubio. And when Rubio was with Wiggins, he used to say all the time that if I had his talent and my work ethic, I'd be a superstar, and Wiggins doesn't even have to try. He might come into Minnesota and say the same things about Anthony Edwards early on. And Jimmy Butler said the same thing, too, when he was there. And a lot of people you know, criticized, ostracized Jimmy Butler for it. Yep. And he didn't really get his shine until Miami. Even in, in Philadelphia, he was you know 
credited with some of the chemistry issues there. But I think now we can see in hindsight, Jimmy Butler was 100% right about what was happening in Minnesota. When you mm-hmm. look at the core that they've built, even going back to when they had that Jimmy Butler team, there's no doubt they should have been a playoff team. And now you look and at they this They barely team, made it. Yeah, exactly. Now you look at this team with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Towns, now Anthony Edwards joining the squad. They have the talent to be there. But the question is, is Carl Towns going to be that leader that he... He improved last year a lot, which I give him credit for. As a leader or as a player? As a player. As a player, yeah, now definitely. he needs to take that step as a leader because that's what this team is missing right now. D'Angelo Russell in yep. Brooklyn, he kind of played a bit of a leader role, but they had a lot of veteran presence on that team that helped him out. And, and you know, going back to the start of his career in Los Angeles, he was always questions as a teammate. I love D'Angelo Russell, but the leadership role should not be on his shoulders. And then you're relying on a guy in Anthony Edwards to come in and play a big role. So the big concern for me would be leadership. Who is taking charge on this team? And are they still that lethargic, lazy team that Jimmy Butler you know, exposed when he was there? Or have they taken steps to improve that? I think getting rid of Wiggins was a step in the right direction. But mm. you know, they need somebody to step up and be that guy. And, I think you know, to an extent that guy can be Rubio. I mean, when you when I look at this roster, Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Cat, Jared Culver, Josh Okoge, Malik Beasley, he's a restricted free agent, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, I thought he played pretty well. Like this team, if it was in the East, I, there would be no doubt it'd be a playoff 100%. team. But because it's in the West, they're not going to take a spot away from the Lakers or the Clippers. If the Blazers are healthy, they're not going to take their spot Phoenix is there now that they got Chris Paul. Denver, Dallas, Utah, and Memphis is getting better. So who are they going to take? I, I I just don't see them making the playoffs in a Western Conference unless Anthony Edwards is actually that star that people are projecting him to be. If he's if he's just okay his rookie season, like 15 to 18 points per game, I don't think they make the playoffs. Yeah, and... One of the biggest points you made was the Western Conference. I feel like we have this conversation all the time. You look at, first of all, all eight of those playoff teams in the Western Conference should be playoff teams again on paper. And then you look at it, Memphis with John Morant, Jaron Jackson growing another year, and their nice core, they have the potential to be a playoff team. Phoenix just brought in Chris Paul to pair alongside Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton who missed 20 games last year to a suspension, or they would have been a playoff team. The Spurs retooling Greg Popovich. You can never count him out. The Kings added Halliburton. They're bringing back the De'Aaron Fox. The Pelicans uh, are there, too. The Pelicans with a full year of Zion, knock on wood. And that other young core they had, Brandon Ingram another year, Lonzo Ball another year. So it's like all of those teams are ahead of them. And they got Bledsoe and Hill. They traded for them, too. Yeah, yeah. and even the Warriors, without Clay. Steph Curry healthy for a year. James Wiseman and, and those other young pieces. Oubre, Wiggins. Oubre, who they just traded for. Wiggins is back another year. So I just don't see, like, where do they move up at all? So I think they're taking steps in the right direction, but I just question what is their ceiling in a Western Conference like that. There's not one bad team in the Western Conference. I mean, right when, you're, when your best two players are D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, I think Carl Anthony Towns can be the best player or the second best player on the team, but D'Lo is kind of a question mark there because he's not a true point guard. He's more of a two, yeah. and Rubio being there helps out, but I just feel like there's a there's a ceiling to this team, and I don't know if that ceiling is 
a high seed in the West, and I think it may be just barely cracking the eighth seed in the West. Yeah, and, and a bad thing for them. A good thing that I've said for the league is it's kind of gotten away from super teams, but now it's turning into these super duos. You go every roster in the league has two star to superstar talents. Yep. And the Timberwolves, while they have D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns, that might be a bottom five or ten duo in the entire league. And that says a lot about where the league is at. But, you know, the Timberwolves have kind of put themselves in a spot with the young talent they've brought in and, and the character issues and work ethic issues that they've had. They've put themselves in a spot where they have talent, but they don't have guys who are going to develop into the top dogs. Even Cat, like, yep. I would prefer Joel Embiid over him, even with all the question marks, because I know Joel Embiid... He can play defense. Yeah, he plays defense, and as much as he trolls and, and he's a character, he really cares at the end of the day. I remember... When Kawhi when cried. hit that shot, and yeah. he was bawling, crying. I've never seen that emotion out of Carl Anthony Towns on the basketball court. So he's know. never been put in a game that mattered that exactly, much, though. Exactly, exactly. That and and most of his games point. are pretty meaningless. And, and Wiggins was the other guy that they relied on to turn their franchise around, and we know how that turned out. He was one of the bigger flops in recent memory. He's a solid role player, but not what you wanted him to be when he was hyped up to be you know, the next big thing. So yep. I like the I like the Timberwolves. I want to say they they can do good things next year, but there's just so much competition in the Western Conference, and I don't trust their core enough to jump up into that top eight. I definitely don't think they could be a playoff team. I think they could make it interesting. I don't think there's going to be a single bad team in the Western Conference next year, and that's including the Timberwolves. They might end up being the worst record-wise team, in the Western Conference, just because I don't see any team that doesn't have talent. Like, top Wait, which to team in the Western Conference? Let me see. Because, Western Conference Because last teams. year, the Warriors finished last. That's not happening again unless Steph Curry gets hurt. Actually, I think you're, you might be right. The Pelicans have all that young talent. Maybe the OKC. Kings, the Kings, maybe. I mean, you never know with all the, the... They have some of the same question marks that the Timberwolves do. With the work ethic, now that's and, true. And, and I I, I do. When you look like these are the bottom teams in the Western Conference. You have the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Spurs, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and the Warriors. Those are all teams that have talent or like a superstar to star player on their teams. So I definitely agree with you. And I think most of the Timberwolves' success is going to rely on Anthony Edwards and how good is he is he going to be off the bat. Most importantly, he has to play defense. No, because Rubio can play defense, but D'Lo can't. Cat can't. So Anthony Edwards has to be more than just a regular offensive player. And not to interrupt, but Shams' deleted tweet now had tweeted that Gordon Hayward was fully focused on signing with the Pacers. So that oh, takes wow. him out of the mix discussions. But just to close up that conversation on the Timberwolves, with their history, as much as Anthony Edwards was the right fit, and talent-wise, he was right up there with Wiseman and Ball. With the with the last five to ten years of that franchise, it it would unnerve me if I was a Timberwolves fan to bring in another guy who says he doesn't really love basketball like that. So I don't know. I I hope that Anthony Edwards succeeds. Seems like a good kid, and he has all the talent in the world. But that system is not the most conducive for a guy who doesn't have the best work ethic. Yeah, so exactly. we'll see if they can turn it around. So for you guys that are watching live right now and that are commenting, 
we can't read your comments because right now we're doing a live show. So we're just going through the live show. After we finish doing the live show, which should be like in an hour, we're going to take in callers and we could talk about whatever is happening because we know that free agency is happening right now. So, yeah. So in about an hour, we're going to take in live callers so you guys can talk to us. We'll put a phone number up on the screen just to let you guys know. Right now, we're doing topics. We're going to talk about Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Miles Powell. We're going to recap the draft, basically, and give draft grades. And then we're going to talk about Drew Holiday to the Bucks, James Harden to the Nets rumors, and Chris Paul to Phoenix and what that does for them. So this is on to our next topic now. So after Klay Thompson got hurt, he's out for the year. He has an Achilles injury, and I think people might start talking about his contract being one of the worst in the NBA. And I love Clay, but like that's just re- the reality. He just got paid a max. Both years he's out. And when he comes back, what is he going to be? Coming exactly. off two of the most difficult and injuries to recover Exactly, from. and I feel for him because it's not his fault at all. This was out of his control, but looking back at it, they probably should have just kept Kevin Durant because they could have if they would have let Clay go. But nonetheless, should James Wiseman be the favorite to win Rookie of the Year after Clay Thompson's injury? I personally feel like he can be. I know they got scores in Kelly Oubre, Wiggins, and Steph, but I don't feel like the Warriors can play the same anymore. They can't play the same um, with like all the off-ball movement that they had with Clay. They're probably going to be more interior focused with James Wiseman, and I think that James Wiseman is a dominant physical presence. He's, I think he's 240 pounds, seven foot one. He averaged 20 points and 11 rebounds at Memphis. Like, this guy is a monster. He's not just a rim runner. He can do way more. So I think right now, I'd pick him to be the rookie of the year. When I look at LaMelo, he has to share a backcourt with Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. Anthony Edwards, it's a tough situation there. James Wiseman is in the best situation. The only other guy that I think about would be maybe Obi Toppin to take that rookie of the year spot. But I think James Wiseman is in the best position to win rookie of the year, and I think he's going to be dominant for the Warriors next year. Yeah, and well, next I, season, basically in a month. One, one thing that you mentioned that I thought was interesting is they're going to have to change their play style, and that's not going to be a one season thing because even when Clay does come back eventually down the road, they can't run him like they did. I read a stat yesterday that he ran an average of two point six one miles a game last year, or the last year that he played, and that was the most in the NBA per game in that season. You can't do that to a guy coming off a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. It's just not possible. So whatever they're going to do this year is what they're going to have to do moving forward. And I think that one of the best things for Wiseman is you look at one of the things they used to do outside of off-ball movement was the small ball death lineup, and they would just pick and roll the defense to death. And they would do it with Draymond Green, Iguodala, even Harrison Barnes used to do it sometimes. And James Wiseman is a better shooter in my opinion than Draymond Green. He's right up there with Barnes and Iguodala, which is crazy to say because he's 7-1, but he can shoot it. So that pick and roll or pick and pop combo with him and Curry is going to be deadly. And with the loss of Clay, something that they weren't prepared for the Warriors and now they're going to have to, you know, very quickly try and pick up the pieces. He's probably going to have to take a roll unless the Warriors pull some miracle case, which I would find it very hard to imagine because Big moves in free agency, while we might not realize it, take months of preparation. They don't happen on the drop of a dime. So now the Warriors have to pivot, and their pivot is not going to bring in a guy who's going to take away a large share of touches for Wiseman. So he's going to come. He's going to have to come in and carry a much bigger load 
than they originally pe- planned for him to. But I think he's NBA ready. Like you said, he's yeah, got I, the, I think so too. He's got the body and he can play. You know, he can finish inside. He's great around the rim, which at seven one is a given. But the fact that he can pop out and shoot it gives an extra dimension in a Steve Kerr offense. We know he loves to draw up plays for his guys. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with James Wiseman. I think that that gives him an edge in the rookie of the year department because the situation that he's coming into will allow him to play on at least a decent team. We don't know what the Warriors are going to be, but I definitely don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league again. He'll be playing with Steph. If Curry's healthy, no. Exactly. He'll be playing with Steph, so he'll get that recognition one way or another. And he'll also get enough of the shots because without Clay, he's going to be the second option on that team. I mean, I think he's the second option over Wiggins, over Oubre. You could make an argument there, but I think he'll step in and be the second option. I mean, I think the second option might be Oubre. I think James Wiseman might be, like, tied for the third option with either, like, Wiggins or Oubre. Who knows? But right now, Golden State has three guys that can average 20 points a night. Like, Steph is going to get his 25 to 30 or even more a night. Oubre, he's coming off a career-high 19 points per game. I think he could average 20. Then Wiggins, he's averaged 20 before, and he averaged 19 in Golden State. So they got three guys that can get 20 points per game. So Wiseman, if he can come in and average like 14 and 10, he could possibly make a big impact. And I think with this rookie class, I think numbers of like a 15 and 10 or 14 and 10 can win you the rookie of the year. I was just going to say, on paper, he's not going to have to compete with a Zion or a Ja who's going to be coming in and, and being the star of their team, pretty much putting up all-star numbers. He, he's going to have to come in and have a solid season. That's it. Yeah, most of these rookies that are getting drafted, I think, outside of LaMelo, because LaMelo to the Hornets, he can probably like blossom into a star right away. But Anthony Edwards on the Timberwolves or whoever else, like they have to go on to a team and play a role. Yeah. Like Wiseman is going to have, have to play a role. Edwards is going to have to play a role. LaMelo's the only guy that might not have to play a role right away, but even even so, like he's sharing a backcourt. So it's going to make it tougher for him. Like they were even talking about LaMelo potentially playing the three. And I know we have a LaMelo topic like after this one, but yeah, like I just think James Wiseman should be the favorite to win rookie of the year right now. When you look at their roster, I mean, Damian Lee, Eric Pascal, Kayvon Looney, Jordan Poole, Marquise Chris, Nico Mannion, who got drafted. Not a bad team. I mean, you could say that, but I, I look outside of Eric Pascal and Looney. I don't trust anybody else. Damian Lee is all right. The good but thing about Jordan Poole, Marcus, Marquis, Marquis, Chris, Nico Mannion. I'm not too fond of those them. Those guys are not going to factor into what I was about to say. But the good thing about the the majority of the guys that you said, they were around for championship runs. So you know they have that experience, and that's something that a lot of guys in the league don't have. Only Looney. Jordan Poole wasn't. Damian Lee, Damian, Damian Lee was there for. I'm pretty the, sure for last the run year against the Raptors. I'm pretty sure. I have to check because I, I don't think that they were around for the full run. But I'm pretty sure Lee was there for the Raptors run. Well, either way, bringing Wiseman and I think one of the bigger concerns of bringing any rookie in. I mean, Damian Lee has no playoff stats, so he didn't play a minute in the playoffs. He was on a roster in 2018, but I don't think he played any minutes. I just meant being yeah, on yeah. the roster, being around. The only guy that like made an impact that were are st- like was Draymond, Steph, and Looney, pretty much. Yeah, like everybody else is having having new. those guys there. I think is important for a guy, especially in Wiseman, who 
didn't get to play a college career pretty much. He played mm-hmm. a, a week of games before being pulled out due to the investigations, and he hasn't played competitive basketball in what's going on a, a year now, over a year. So to not have any of that competitive experience, to jumping right into the NBA, he's going to need some serious leadership to keep him on track mentally because we know he's physically there. He has the skill, but can he be there mentally? And I think being around Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Looney, Draymond Green, guys who have been there, been around the league, and been to a championship, know what it takes, is going to be important for him. And just to seg- kind of to segue a little bit, I think one of the biggest threats to him would be if the Hornets trade Terry Rozier, because I heard his name coming up in talks with the Clippers especially. If the Hornets trade Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball's impact immediately increases. Yeah. So pretty much, yeah, we both think that James Wiseman should be a favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Comment, guys, right now who you guys think will win Rookie of the Year this upcoming season. So our next topic is LaMelo Ball to Charlotte. He was taking with the third overall pick. And simple question, was this the right pick for the Hornets to make? I think that it was definitely the right pick to make, especially for Charlotte, a team who is looking for that superstar. That they've lacked, you know, they kind of had it in Kemba Walker, if you want to say he was a superstar. He likes a star relatively player. Relatively to Charlotte, but he wasn't a superstar. And I think LaMelo has that it factor that you need to be a superstar in the NBA. He's been in the spotlight his entire life, pretty much. And I think it helped him a lot going overseas and kind of being humbled a little bit because he still has that cockiness to him. But I think now he realizes that he's not the greatest player on earth which I feel like he kind of had that at Chino Hills the last year that he was there. He had too much cockiness. And I think that confidence is good to an extent, but it was going a little too far. And then when he went overseas, he really matured as a player. And I know a couple of players over there that had formerly played in the NBA said that he was the best passer they ever played with. So you know like he mm-hmm. can play ball. And he showed it as a freshman playing on one of the biggest high schools in California with his two brothers, helping lead them to a state championship. At the Spire Academy, he put up ridiculous numbers. Overseas, he didn't play great, but considering he was 18 years old in a professional basketball league, he put up solid numbers. So he can flat out play. And I think one of the bigger concerns with him is, is his dad going to step out of the way? You saw what happened to... Lonzo, when he was in Los Angeles, his dad was like a cancerous leech. And then when he took a step back in New Orleans, I feel like we've seen Lonzo grow year after year. So if LaMelo can go to Charlotte, be his own person, and keep that confidence but not cockiness, I think he'll be a superstar. I mean, I think great players have to have a sense of cockiness to them. I think every great player had that. Not to, you know, sound cliche, but Kobe Bryant. Like, he was extremely cocky in himself. You know, rest in peace in, but he was extremely cocky. I think great players have to have that. I don't think that he lost it when he went overseas because, I mean, he still put up 17-8-8. Eight and eight. He, yeah. he he did it pretty inefficiently, but he still did it against professionals. Yeah. But he's 6-7. The only concern I have about him is not about LeVar, is not about his inefficiency. It's more about the history behind 6-7 point guards. They usually don't pan out. Like, we've had Sean Livingston, Lonzo Ball is a recent case. Even though I think LaMelo is better than Lonzo. You know, if LaMelo can develop Lonzo's defense, I think he'll be a superstar, no doubt about it, because I think LaMelo's offensive game is really, really good. 
But when, when you look at the Hornets, I think something that gets overrated, like back to the question, it was the right pick, mostly because Wiseman wasn't there. If Wiseman was there, it'd be a tougher pick to make. But since it was LaMelo, only LaMelo, I mean, the guys that he was drafted over were were who? Like Onyeka Okungwo, Isaac Okoro, Isaac Patrick, Patrick, Patrick Williams. Williams, Obi Toppin. Like, if you're talking about guys like this, yeah, LaMelo's a no-brainer. We talked about it in the, in the draft recap live show that LaMelo Ball is like a consensus top three pick. As much as it wasn't a sure thing this year as it was last year, you yeah. kind of knew. Like we didn't know the order was. this year, but we knew that the top three were going to be Wiseman, Edwards, and LaMelo. Yeah. And when you look at the Hornets, like Mitch Kupchak is their GM now. He was a Lakers GM from 2000 to 2016 or 2017. He's been with the Hornets since the start of 2017. And since then, he's drafted Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but he traded him for Miles Bridges which in hindsight was a bad trade, but Bridges is not a bad player. He hasn't been bad. He's grown a lot. Then he drafted P.J. Washington, Cody Martin, and Jalen McDaniels, and I don't think that's a bad draft class. He he found Devontae Graham. He signed Tony Parker, and he traded away Timothy Mozgov for Bismack Biombo. So in his short stint, like two and a half years as a GM, he's gotten Graham, Rozier, Bridges, Malik Monk, is there P.J. Washington, and now LaMelo. Like, he's built their core since he's got there in under three years. Yeah, and it's tough to work with what he came into. Exactly. Nicholas Batum had a max contract. Cody Zeller was making a ton of money. They had awful contracts. And now there's a place for them to improve and grow. We can talk about Terry Rozier's contract being awful. I mean, certainly when they first gave it to him, it looked like a horrible contract, but he proved everybody wrong. He proved that he wasn't just a role player. And he was actually a starter. I mean, Terry Rozier had a career year last year. Yeah, I, I'm not that high on Terry Rozier. I think that those stats were kind of empty, being that he was with Charlotte, and you know there wasn't many other guys taking a load from him. Devontae Graham, you could say, but you know if they were close to a playoff team, I would have been more impressed. I think that if they can get rid of ter- Terry Rozier, they should because they have Devontae Graham. And you want personally, I want Lamelo to come in and assume that role that John Morant did last year with Memphis, where he's going to have the ball in his hands, and you're going to see very early on if, if he's going to develop quickly or not. Um, but I think it was obviously the right pick. I think they still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, I think they're going to improve this year, certainly from last year, just because that young talent, like you mentioned, Bridges, P.J. Washington, and hopefully LaMelo is going to develop over the, over the course of the season. I don't think they're at that playoff level yet because even though the East is weaker... It really depends on how good LaMelo is off yeah, the bat. I, if he can yeah. come in and be like a Zion or Ja, like we said for Anthony Edwards, it changes everything. But I don't think that any of those three guys are going to be at that level. I think LaMelo has the best chance, though. Like I know I've said Wiseman in terms of like Rookie of the Year, but just in terms of talent and potential, I think LaMelo might be the top guy. Like 6'7", he's the height of a wing, handle of a guard. Yeah, my just sneeze. But yeah, like he can do everything. I love LaMelo. <laughs> Bro, that sneeze is coming in crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Mitch Kupchak even said like they draft on talent and not positional need, which kind of hints that if Wiseman was there, they probably would have still took LaMelo. Yeah. And, and I think that LaMelo fits. I think as much as they have Rozier and Devontae Graham, like I said, 
to me, LaMelo has that biggest superstar it factor, and that's what they needed most in Charlotte because you don't... You're not going to get a free agent. I was just going to get... Exactly. I was just going to say, you don't get people without superstars or a big market or an incredibly good culture and some luck. And I think that LaMelo can be that guy who will come in and become your superstar, and he's an attraction. And people have been watching this kid since he was 15 years old. He's a household name coming into the league. So mm-hmm. if he can develop to even be like half the talent that we think he's going to be, he'll he'll attract some eyes and, and people are going to start giving a look at Charlotte when this young talent develops this season. I like what they're doing, especially considering the situation that they were put in. Over, over the past few years, they've done a great job. I think that Kemba Walker leaving was the best possible thing that could have ever happened to them because... They were going to have to pay him a supermax. Exactly, and they would have never been able to develop beyond, you know, where they they were. But they were, yeah, exactly. So it it was the best thing for both of them, and I think that now LaMelo can come in and be your future, and you got to build around him. It's going to be... This is the next step in the rebuild, and I'll, I'll, I'll compare it to Sean Marks because I'm a Net fan, so I watched that rebuild in person. He... He brought in D'Angelo Russell. He built that young core and, and created a culture, made them a playoff team, and D'Angelo Russell was the guy at the center. And sometimes you got to be able to take that next step. For the Nets, it came really quickly, and they had to sacrifice D'Angelo Russell to get Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And the Hornets, it might take a little more time. It might be a little more gradual and they might never get to that ceiling of having two top 15 players in the league wanting the same. Yeah, because Brooklyn, Brooklyn is so much different than Charlotte. Yeah. Like, they have to home grow talent. And I feel like they have yeah. so far. Like, Miles Bridges, he might not be a star, but I think he'll be a great role player in this league. Malik Monk, he's, he just he just came off a season averaging 10 points per game. Yeah. He's not done yet. People wanted to write him off pretty pretty soon, but he's not done yet. Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, like, these guys are good. And P.J. Washington is the perfect stretch for for the modern NBA. So LaMelo just has to come into the into the Hornets and pretty much play his role, but I think he has superstar potential. So you have somebody that can become that star. If they keep drafting well, I think the Hornets may be one of the teams that we talk about more, especially since LaMelo is there. Like, LaMelo is box office. Yeah. Like he has, like, what, 7 million followers on Instagram? He's box office. People are going to watch Charlotte because of LaMelo It's now. like Lonzo. Lonzo went to New Orleans, and granted, they also got Zion. And, and the hype Ingram died down on Lonzo yeah. when he went to New Orleans. But even when he went to New Orleans, people were looking and seeing, you know, what's going to happen in New Orleans. They got all that young talent, and I think that Lonzo was one of the bigger attractions of that deal. Yep. So I, I think that within the next few years, we're going to see Charlotte having an opportunity to make that turn and become one of those top teams and maybe land a free agent. It, it all depends. It, it's just a thing about, like, I, I had this discussion with a couple of my friends about Giannis going to the Knicks. Does Giannis want to be that guy to go to New York and, and build his legacy there and be the guy to bring them back to superstardom? Or is it going to be like a Kevin Durant thing where he wants to team up with another superstar? Hopefully, within the next few years, they can find a superstar who wants to go and build his own legacy in Charlotte next to LaMelo and bring a championship there. They have Michael Jordan, who, although he hasn't been a great executive, is always going to you know, draw an extra eyeball. Who, who, who wouldn't want to play for arguably the greatest player of all time? So they have a good core there, and I'm excited to see what they build on, and LaMelo is just another great pick to add to that. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about the Knicks. I know th- there's a lot of Knicks fans that are kind of 
torn between the picks, me included. I was torn between the Knicks pick. I wasn't sure. Like when, when the Knicks selected Obi Top and I wasn't high on the pick, I slept on it. I woke up because I was dreaming of Obi Toppin's highlight dunks and at MSG. I was thinking about Emmanuel quickly hitting threes in Madison Square Garden. And I said, you know what? I like this pick a little bit more. And the reason I like this pick is that I didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, the Knicks couldn't have been at a better spot on draft night. The guys that they were linked to and wanted that had, like, Obi Toppin star potential, Tyrese Halliburton star potential, Denny had star potential, Devin Vassell was a guy who was linked to us. I thought at the eighth pick, our our options were going to be Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and like an Isaac Okoro. I could I did not imagine that Tyrese, Obi, and Denny were going to be there when we were picking. So we could have went with any of those guys. Outside of Denny, I would have been happy. I, I I didn't really want Denny, but if we could have, you know, we got Obi or, or Halle Burton, I would have been happy with either one, and we chose Obi. We needed a point guard, but the reason why I wasn't as mad when I woke up is because Emmanuel quickly can be that point guard. Emmanuel quickly shot, I think, 36% from three at Kentucky. He's a sharpshooter. So now we got a guy who can play point, who can shoot well, who's going to be good. And Obi Toppin is just a highlight reel. I mean, you, you said that Gordon Hayward might go to the Pacers, but let's just say he goes to the Knicks. Then you got a lineup of RJ, Hayward, Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, whoever we saw in that point guard. I'd like a guy like Jeff Teague or trade for a George Hill to be a veteran on the team. But I think Obi Toppin brings a, a a level of highlight reel and excitement to New York. And I feel like that's what New York needs. So at the eighth pick, I'm not mad. I mean, this is a guy who won college player of the year. He averaged 20 points per game. He can shoot, so he's not just a rim runner. I know he's been compared to Stoudemire, but he can shoot really well. He shot 39% from three. So I'm more than happy with this pick. Now the Knicks just have to go into free agency and get a good free agent and not overpay for guys that we don't need to overpay for. Yeah, and I think that Obi I know you flip-flopped on this like multiple times on draft night, and I thought it was hilarious because from the time you made the pick, I thought it was the right selection. One word that you mentioned with LaMelo is box office, and Obi Toppin has the potential to be box office. He is explosive, can jump out the gym. He's a walking highlight reel. And while there are some glaring parts of his game that he needs to improve, he's got to get a shot more consistent. Defensively, more I think, is the only glare. defense is, is bad. But it, you know what's no the thing? way to put it. His defense is bad, but but if there's one coach that I can, that I trust to it's get Tom his Thibodeau. defense good is Tom, Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau. It's the perfect guy exactly. to, to have him working under. And you know Obi Toppin is a hard worker. So he's got the physical the physical traits to turn into a great defender. And you know he has the work ethic. Playing under Tom Thibodeau, it's the perfect storm for him to improve that defense. You know, I, I mentioned this like three times on draft night because it still baffles me. He was a zero-star recruit coming out of high school. He went to Dayton and worked worked his way up from an unknown his freshman year to uh, the college player of the year last year. So, yeah. you know, he's going to come in and grind from day one, which is I think is something the Knicks have been missing the past few years. I think that Leon Rose has done a terrific job since coming in, and he's got that Kentucky pipeline. And you mentioned Emmanuel quickly, who I think is going to be a great player. Johnny Bryan is a, on a coaching staff, too. He's from Kentucky, I yeah. believe. Yeah, so you mentioned 
Emmanuel quickly, I think, is going to be a great guy to come in and bring in a point guard. Kentucky guards are kind of hit and miss, but they've been more hit than miss lately. You look at some of the guys in the league right now. Eric Bledsoe, De'Aaron Fox, Shields Alexander, Rondo, John Wall, Brandon Knight even had a pretty Brandon solid Knight was career. pretty good early yeah, on. Devin Booker, Hemi Diallo is looking like he's improving into a, a solid I, yeah, role Yeah, yeah, I, I would have mentioned him in that conversation. Tyler Hero, Malik Monk, Jamal Murray. So, you know, they've had their fair share lately of good to great star-level NBA guards over the past couple of years. So Calipari's doing something right there. And even if they don't play great at the college level or, or they don't have the year that you might think they have, a lot of them have gone on to the league and had pretty solid starts to their career. That's why I was so high on Tyrese Maxey to Philadelphia. And we'll talk about, I'll talk about that later in the episode, not to spoil anything. But I think Maxey or Emmanuel Quickly or both of them can be that next Kentucky guard to come into the league. My only problem is that right now the Knicks have like mad fours on the roster. They have Ed Davis. Julius Randle's still there. Ed I Davis, hope that I'll say this about Ed Davis though. I think he was more of a salary dump. He was, anything, he was. And they got the he was. they got the picks for him. Yeah, so he that was. was a solid move. Yeah, he was. Julius Randle, who I hope gets traded. I hope he gets traded tomorrow. He better get traded soon. You I wanna find I somebody to take I don't, that contract. <laughs> Julius Randle's only a one year rental pretty much because a team has a team option, but then we have Bobby Portis, who we can we don't even have to bring him back anyway. Like we let go of Taj Gibson. Damian Dotson, Alfred Payton. We have a lot of salary to play with. So at this point, it's really just about signing players to complement RJ and Mitch. Because I think OB complements RJ and Mitch perfectly. Now it's just about those other guys complementing them. And then something that I was thinking about was usually teams and usually the Knicks in recent history, they've always went with positional fit, right? I think this year was different. They went with the best player available. Obi Toppin was the best player available at number eight, and they went with him. I would have liked Tyrese Holly Burton because we need a point guard, but I like that we went with the best player, and that was Obi Toppin. He, he, people were talking about him going as high as three, even number one. Some people were having him at number one. So, like, to get a guy like that at eight, that doesn't happen for the Knicks too often. Yeah, and it would, doesn't at all. It I, never happens. Exactly. Outside of the year that we... uh drafted Kevin Knox. Michael Porter Jr. fell to us, but we didn't draft him. I remember that. But, but he had big injury concerns that year, too. Yeah, we should have still Obi drafted Toppin, him. like, there's no way, in my opinion, he should have fell to eight just because of his potential. And I know the Knicks have had some trouble developing players the past few years, but I think that with this new regime coming in, they could flip it around, and they have a solid core. If Toppin was off the board, Halliburton would have definitely been the pick for you guys, in my opinion. But when a talent drops like that, you can't pass up on him. And and the Knicks needed young talent, and they got that. Right now, you're looking at R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson can be your three guys to build around for the future. And still, That's good. as corny as it is to say, and it's something that I've kind of doubted the past few years, they play in the Mecca. They play in the Garden. And as much as you need to put players on the court to supplement that, guys aren't usually going to just come to play in New York for the Garden. Now they're starting to build some young core, something to be, you know, interested something to be in. excited about. Yeah, something to be excited about and they have the Mecca. Come play in the Mecca. Be the guy to bring a championship home for the first time since, you know, we weren't even a thought and 
that's a pretty exciting spot yeah. to be in. If I'm a big time NBA free agent, I would definitely give give it a, at least a second thought. And you're coming up on a couple free agency classes now where there's going to be stars available, and this could be the turnaround next year. Next, it, next it, year, it all depends on what is it, to me. What is Tom Thibodeau going to do? Is he? Gonna I just come think in it develop all that young talent. Yeah, because coaching has been one of your biggest problems over the past few years. I just think it all depends on who we get at point guard. Yeah, if Frank, I like Frank Nilakina off the bench. Yeah, not I think he's starting. A great, like a not great starting. Point guard off the Nilakina bench. off the bench is fine. Not to start. We need a starter, and I don't. You know, is that Fred Van Vliet? Is that Jeff Teague, George Hill, or Rondo? Maybe I don't know. But we need a starting point guard that that is a true point guard that can help all of these young guys be better on the floor. That's pretty much it. But the Knicks. So you know, back to it. I just think Obi Toppin was the right pick. Guys that are watching now, if you think he was the right pick, comment down yes or no. Now we're gonna go on to the next topic. It's back to the Knicks again. The Knicks signed Miles Powell, and what what I was th- when I was thinking about him going undrafted, I I just thought to myself, damn, if he goes undrafted, how how disheartening is it for college players that think they have a little bit of a shot at the NBA? I mean, Miles Powell was an elite college player. He was the Jerry West Award winner, best shooting guard in the country, Big East Player of the Year, first team All American. First team, all Big East, beat a bunch of ranked teams. If you're a guy that's in college and you even have a glimmer of hope that you can make it to the NBA, Miles Powell going undrafted just shattered your heart. Because a guy like that to go undrafted is pretty crazy. I was going to say, if you want to list all of his accomplishments in college, that could be the whole podcast, is listing everything that he achieved at Seton Hall. Because he had a career that not many college players ever have. He's arguably either one or two in Seton Hall history depending on who you ask, because Terry DeHere also had a great career there. Me and my dad had that argument a couple times. I think it's Powell for sure, but, you know, it's sad what the NBA has done the past few years because I get it. You want to bring young guys in and have them in your building as soon as possible, but when you look at some of the best young talents in the league the past few years, look at a guy like Jason Tatum, who was a budding superstar. When he was drafted, he was considered that. And now he's in year three, and that's where you're seeing the biggest jump. Same thing with Brandon Ingram. He was drafted by the Lakers, was expected to be a superstar. Three years later, we're looking at him as an all-star level talent. So as much as you want to get these young guys in your building as soon as possible, what's the difference between having them there or drafting a guy who's been in college the past few four years and can come in and have that experience and leadership that a guy like Brandon Ingram or Jason Tatum won't really get the same experience mm-hmm. at the NBA level. Like I Miles see Powell, both sides of it. But. Yeah, like Miles Powell to me can be a guy that in four years we see him winning a six-man of the year. Yeah. Like I think he's that good. It should not be a death sentence to college basketball players to go to school for four years. I think it's really disheartening, like you mentioned, to see something like that happening, not only to him, to a guy like Marcus Howard as yeah. well, who had a great career. Marcus Howard, I get it a little bit because he's a little bit undersized and scrawny for his position. Yeah. Like Miles Powell, he has muscle to him. Yeah. So that I don't get more. But you you look at these players that were drafted above Powell. Cassius Winston, I loved him in college, but he was not better than Powell. Nico mm-hmm. Mannion, people, they the Warriors drafted him based off potential. But he's not better than Powell. If we're talking right now, 100%. he's not better than Powell. And the only reason he got drafted where he did is because of potential. he's so young and he has yeah, the potential. Yeah, exactly. 
then Jay Scrub, who is a Juco player. I mean, you're going to draft a Juco player over a Big East player of the year? Like, no disrespect to Jay Scrub. He might turn out good, but he was in Juco. Yeah, I mean, come on. He's in East, Juco. The Big East was at least... It's ridiculous. For me, the best conference in college basketball last year. And nobody can tell me otherwise because there was... You could argue one or two teams that were pretty easy... Weren't even easy victories. You could argue there were one or two not great teams, but every night in the Big East, you were facing a, a competition. You were never walking over a team in the Big East. And every night, Powell was coming out being double teamed, and he still put up, on less efficiency, great numbers. So now, if you could get him into an NBA system, we were talking about it on draft night, I totally think that he could step into a Lou Williams-type role and maybe never get to that level but he could get you at least ten points off the bench if you give him if you give him the shots, and I I just think it's really sad the state of the NBA right now that a four year guy no matter what you do will not get drafted and I get he's a little bit undersized at any position he's not a great defender but he wasn't any slouch defensively like he could hold his own against some great guards in the Big East so I I just don't get it I think he. He's never going to be a star. He's not going to be a superstar in so, the league. But I definitely think that he can provide solid minutes, especially to a team like the Knicks, who, like you mentioned, have a hole at point guard right now. Yeah. They could use a scoring and guard. I, I was, think it was gonna, a great move. And I was going to talk about that right now. We talked about Powell and his accomplishments and players that were drafted over him that shouldn't have been. But now let's talk about his fit with the Knicks. How do you think he's going to fit with the Knicks? I know... There's a hole at point guard, but I don't see Miles Powell as a point guard. He's a shooting guard. He's an undersized shooting guard. He's a Lou Williams. That's like I'm not saying he'll be as good as Lou Will, but that's yeah. just his ceiling to me. He's Lou Will. We don't have a backup shooting guard right now. The Knicks don't. It's R.J. Barrett. Damian Dotson is out. Frank Lakina is the backup. I mean, our guards are DSJ, quickly, um, Frank Lakina, and then R.J., but we don't have any backup shooting guard. So I think Miles Powell in New York is the best fit because he can get minutes right away. And he can make an impact similar to what Alonzo Trier made his rookie year where he's, they called him ISO Zoe because he, yeah, was, he and, was amazing off the ISO. And even that Alonzo Trier comparison, as much as I like it on the court, I hate that comparison for Miles Powell because the only reason that Alonzo Trier is not on an NBA roster right now or no longer with the Knicks is because he was by all accounts, a cancer in the locker room. And he didn't pass. Yeah, exactly. Play defense, yeah. Miles Powell is not that. He's a great teammate by all accounts from all the Seton Hall guys. He's a hard worker. If you've never read Mike or Miles Powell's story, I would recommend you read about it because he has an incredible story. Coming from South Kent into, into college at Seton Hall, they used to call him Cheese. And they wouldn't call him Cheese until he lost weight because he was so big. He was so overweight that until he cut down weight, they wouldn't stop calling him cheese. And he worked his way all the way up. His freshman year, he made an impact. Sophomore year, he, he slotted into the starting lineup. Junior year, he became one of the best guards in the country. And senior year, he was the Big East Player of the Year. So just like I said about Obi Toppin, you know he's going to come in hungry and work hard from day one. He's a good teammate. He can play his role. Yep. And I'm excited to see. I wish it wasn't the Knicks because I'm a Net fan. And I, I I'll be rooting for him anyway. I don't hold. I mean, both guys, Knicks, but both I'm guys, Miles Powell and Obi Toppin, both from. I mean, Obi's from New York. Miles Powell's from the New York area. He's from New Jersey, from Trenton. But Trenton. both of these guys to play from New York is probably a dream come true. Play yeah. right there, close to your hometown. 
So I think that's another added boost for them. And while they probably work even harder since it's New York. Yeah. And, and as much as it, it must have been disheartening to get drafted, I guess, for lack of a better word, there's a million adjectives to describe it. It might have been the best thing for him because he got to choose where he wanted to be at. He ends up at home in New York, close to his family. It'll be an easy transition with Obi Toppin, who they've been friends since college, since you know when they were younger, and I know they've been working out leading up to the draft process. So I think it's a good spot for him, and I hope he gets a shot because I know he has the talent to play at the NBA level. His offensive game, a lot of people just thought he was a shooter. He could score from all over. He's a polished player already on the offensive end. And he passed the ball pretty well last year. He played a lot of point guard for Seton Hall, especially with injuries. He had to step into a different role than he had ever taken. And he did a good job distributing playmaking. So, you know, he he definitely expanded his versatility last year. And I think he's ready for the NBA. Okay, so now we're going to get into our next topic. So our next three topics are going to be the winners of the 2020 NBA draft, then the losers, then we're going to give our draft grades for each lottery team and each lottery pick. So the first topic is who to you was the winner of the 2020 NBA draft? I have a feeling of who you're going to say right now. Well, you know who I'm going to say because I kind of hinted at it before, but I kind of went uh, a little more unconventional here. And I'm saying Philadelphia 76ers, not a lottery team, but I think they did some really nice things in the whole draft process. And I'm grading them not only on their picks, but the moves that they made. They got off Al Horford's contract, which I thought was great. Yep. They traded Josh Richardson, who I didn't think was a great fit for that lineup. They brought in Danny Green, who although I don't love Danny Green and them giving up a pick for him, he'll come in, be the shooter that they needed. He's another great defender. I, and they got Seth Curry, too, around the draft. I line. love Seth Curry. And I think he's going to— I love Seth Curry. You look at what Shake Milton did for them last year, and I think that Seth Curry is a better Shake Milton. I think he'll come in, provide a nice offensive boost for them that they've been lacking because they don't really have that score. And Tyrese Maxey, I thought, was a great pick for them. And I, I mentioned Kentucky guards. I love Kentucky guards. I think Coach Calipari does a great job. And I think he's going into the perfect system where— he doesn't have to worry about taking too much of the load. They have Ben Simmons there who can take a lot of the point guard duties, and, and he can take his time to grow. I think it's a great situation. And I, to me, getting the money off was huge because that opens up. One of the biggest things for them was they were in cap hell. Yep. So I don't know what comes next for them. I don't know I if they're I think they're still in cap hell. They're still in cap hell, but they're headed in the right direction, at least cap-wise. They still have... Tobias Harris's contract, which was, Embiid's. in hindsight, a huge mistake. And they have Embiid and Simmons, which those are two guys that you have to pay. You can't not pay them. They're stars, borderline superstars. And, you know, who knows? They've been linked with James Harden. I know he, he has his heart set on Brooklyn, but Daryl Morey there, you never know. I, they got I like some pieces the, to, yeah, to trade for. Him. I like the moves they made, and I think they put themselves in a good position. I was high on them last year heading into the bubble, and they dealt with some injuries and, of course, didn't live up to that. But, you know, between Simmons, Embiid, and now bringing in Maxi, Danny Green, uh, Seth Curry, even a guy like Matisse Thibel coming back another year, Shake Milton, they have a bunch of nice pieces. I am interested to see what they turn into this year. I think that they are one of the higher-ceiling teams in the Eastern Conference if they're all playing at their peak. But 
that's the question is, are they going to play at their peak? See, I, I had Philly written down. I had three teams written down. Philly was one of them. Another team I had was Boston. When they drafted Aaron Neesmith and Payton Pritchard, I think their bench is going to be so much better. But then I was thinking about it, and I said, no, I'm going to name a team that I felt like got their future in the 2020 NBA draft. And I think that team was the Detroit Pistons. You draft Killian Hayes. You drafted Isaiah Stewart. They got Sadiq Bey, too. They drafted Sadiq Bey. I love Sadiq Bey. So I think Sadiq Bey is a starting small forward in the NBA, and I think Killian Hayes can be a star in the NBA. So they potentially got two of their five starting lineup right there in Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bey. So that's why I feel like their draft was the best. I mean, right now Detroit is kind of in a funk because, I mean, they just traded Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown to the Nets, Blake Griffin, you're still stuck with his contract. Um, Christian Wood, you don't know if they're going to bring him back. So who does Detroit have? At point guard, they still have Derrick Rose. They're probably going to trade him heard, this upcoming I year. Heard they've been shopping him since last season. Exactly. So you needed a future point guard. Tyrese Halliburton or Killian Hayes would have been the pick. You got Killian Hayes. You needed a small forward because I think the small forward is Seiko Dumbaya, I think. And no disrespect to him, but I don't think he's Sadiq Bey. So then you you get Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, who I'm not high on him. He's more of like a high motor player, come off the bench type of guy. But now you're looking at Detroit with Dwayne Casey. He's going to love these guys. I mean, Killian Hayes, Blake Griffin, Sadiq Bey, Christian Wood if he comes back. And then Derrick Rose. I don't think that's a bad team at all. But most importantly, you secured your future. You know, I think Killian Hayes, he's a lefty. He's super smooth. He can drive to the basket. He didn't shoot the best percentage-wise from the three in France, but he has a nice stroke, and he can shoot well if he's given the opportunity to shoot well. I think he's just going to improve on his jump shot. So Killian Hayes is a sleeper for me in the draft in general, and I think the Detroit, they're heading in the right direction now that they got three guys who can be the cornerstone of their franchise moving forward. Yeah, and one team that you mentioned, Boston, I also had written down as an honorable mention. I think they filled out their bench with two guys. Exactly. In, in Neesmith. Neesmith and Pritchard. And Neesmith is going to come in. He was one of the best shooters in the draft. He's going to be a good 3 and D guy, which you know, they, they need one of those. And if they would have got, if they would have kept Desmond Bain, yeah. that would have been the best draft yeah. to me, hands down. I, yeah, and... Peyton Pritchard is a guy who I loved at Oregon. I said it on draft night, as cliche it is, he's a winner. He's a big shot taker. And, you know, he's another one of those guys that, like Miles Powell, showed in college, he's got the chops to come in and be that hard worker, that good teammate. And I think he'll be a perfect fit there in Boston alongside, like, you know, the group that they have, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, those yep. those tough, nitty-gritty guys. So I think they did really good. And the Kings, I also wanted to give a shout-out Yeah, because Tyrese Halliburton, really well. yeah. They did really well. So, guys, comment down who you think won the 2020 NBA draft, which team you think you which team you think won. Now our next topic, the losers of the 2020 NBA draft. I'll go first, and I have I have two. I changed my mind on one of them. This is the obvious two. one for me. My one was the Hawks drafting on Yeko and Kongwu. I, I mean, I might have pronounced his last name wrong, but, I mean, you already have Clint Capella. You drafted a Clint Capella clone. I felt like they could have gone a different direction. If they would have traded back, got more picks, and drafted a Devin Vassell, I yeah. would have thought that would have been perfect. You get a defensive wing, but, you know, with John Collins and Clint Capella, Onyeka probably comes off your bench, but I didn't—I think he—there's a chance he may get buried in that rotation— 
So I don't like that move for the Hawks or for him. I'd much rather have seen them draft Hallie Burton and be another guard to take the pressure off of Trey Young. And he can also play defense. Tyrese has a long wingspan. He's 6'5". He can play defense too. I'd much rather see them go in that direction. The other guy I have is the Pelicans lost a draft. You draft Kira Lewis Jr. I, I'm, I was high on Kira Lewis Jr. And I'm not mad that he went that high. But for the Pelicans who have George Hill, who have Eric Bledsoe, who have Lonzo Ball, there was who have J.J. Redick, there was no need to get a point guard when you have a point guard in the future, I believe, in Lonzo Ball. He, I don't think Lonzo's going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a great floor general point guard for that team. Bledsoe's there. George Hill is there. I just thought Kara Lewis, he is a guy that's literally going to get buried in that rotation. And he could have gone somewhere else. I would have liked him in Phoenix. I was going to have Phoenix on here. But I looked at some Jalen Smith tape, and I'm not as mad at the pick as I once was. So I think the two losers in this draft were the Atlanta Hawks drafting on Yeka and the Pelicans for drafting Kara Lewis Jr. Those are both very fair teams. And you mentioned mine. Now that I look at it, I, I'm a little bit unfair here because I said for my winners picking the Sixers, I took their past couple weeks into account or, you know, the, the moves they made outside of just the draft into account. Phoenix, I love the fact that, and, and it's the Phoenix Suns, by the way, if I didn't mention that. I yeah. love the fact that they went out and got Chris Paul. I thought that was a great move for them. But then for them to go into the draft, the only thing that they acquire is Jalen Smith. When they have Cam Johnson, they have Dario Sarge, they have DeAndre Ayton. I just thought it was a little redundant, especially with Halliburton on the board. I thought they could have taken him groomed him under Chris Paul exactly. to be that point guard of the future next uh-huh. to Devin Booker. So I just thought that with that being the only thing that they did in the entire draft was drafting essentially a backup with you know two of your best young players filling the holes ahead of him, it, it was very suspect to me, and that, that was why I had them as my like losers. Cameron Johnson, I get that there may be an argument that he's not a true starter, which is why they probably went with Jalen Smith. But Jalen Smith, I think, is a small ball five. In this modern NBA, you don't you don't have two guys that are slow on their feet on the court at the same time, which is what Aiton and Jalen Smith would be. I agree with you. They should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton, or I had them drafting Kira Lewis Jr. in a mock draft a I guard. made. Any yeah, guard, I thought, would have been a because benefit. Because you have Chris Paul, but he's 35 years old. When he retires, who's going to be your point guard of the future? Phoenix, for so long, struggled finding their point guard. They found it in Rubio for a season. Now they have it in Chris Paul, but they need a long-term answer. Yeah, and, and if, if I may, one of the best things that Oklahoma City did bringing in Chris Paul was also bringing in Shea Gilgis-Alexander because you saw the leap that he took in his game just playing alongside Chris Paul, and now exactly. we're going to get to see him be the guy, essentially, in Oklahoma City next year. I wish that Phoenix would have taken the opportunity. There, I feel like they're kind of wasting Chris Paul not breeding a guy under him to be their point guard of the future. You know, it's nice to have him alongside Devin Booker, but bringing in Chris Paul, the bigger, I personally think more than bringing him in as a player is bringing him in as a mentor and a leader. Mm -hmm. And to be wasting that, not having your point guard of the future underneath him or a guy you think could be, mm -hmm. I just think it's a waste. And also bringing in a guy who can create his own shot. And be a six man because they have no bench. Their bench is depleted. They gave up depth in that deal to get Chris Paul. Their bench is depleted. So getting a guy who can create their own shot and then blossom into that future point guard 
would have been huge for them. And I think they you're right. They kind of whiffed on the pick. I hope Jalen Smith turns out good, but I would have much rather had Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, and it's it's I'm not saying this as much as an indictment of Jalen Smith as a player because I think he had he had a great year at Maryland. I think he can be a really solid NBA player. I just don't like the fit for him. I wish for his sake even that he would have ended up elsewhere because he's just not going to get that opportunity in Phoenix to blossom, I feel like. I wish, I, I think Boston would have been a good fit for him because they, need, yeah, they a big, need a big. That would have been a perfect fit. So now we're going to our eighth topic of the episode, draft grades for every lottery team. So just to tell everybody that's, that's uh, listening, it's not the draft grade for the team's draft as a whole. It's the grade for the team in that pick, their lottery pick. What's the grade for their lottery pick? So I'll start out first. Number one, Minnesota Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards, I'm going to give this pick a grade of a B. Because I think that, yes, he he people thought he was a consensus number one pick, but those question marks of if he loves basketball are huge to me. And because of that, I can't give him an A. He's a B. He's a B grade for me, and that's exactly why. Because I'm not sure if he's sold on loving basketball. I, I also gave it a B here just because of the exact point that you mentioned. And, and if he was a perfectly polished NBA-ready talent and he said that he didn't love basketball that much, maybe I would say, okay, I get the risk. But the fact that you had James Wiseman and LaMelo on the board who were at the same level talent-wise, I would say, yep, and, and you have these questions about Anthony Edwards, it concerns me. So I went for for... The reason I think those two things kind of butt heads a little bit, I gave him a B because he is a great talent, but we have to see how much he really loves the game. So the second overall pick, James Wiseman, I gave this grade an A. I mean, I think they he's a physical dominant presence. The Warriors are kind of, they could have went LaMelo with, with LaMelo here, but it was off, I think, kind of of the fact that they didn't think Clay was going to be out for the year. But even so, I think James Wiseman is, Really talented. He can be a superstar in the NBA, kind of like a Joel Embiid. So I think that this grade is an A, and he loves basketball from everything that I've read. He loves the game. Yeah, I get, I also gave this Warriors pick an A. They, they've been missing a big for as long as we can remember, I feel like. They've just been slotting in big after big from David Lee to Bogut to Festus Azili to Kevon Looney, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein. I think that James Wiseman can be that big alongside Steph Curry. He can shoot the basketball. And and like you said, he's known to be a student of the game. He's coming into a great system under a great head coach. It it couldn't be a better fit. And I'm excited for the Warriors on this one. So the number three pick, LaMelo Ball to the Hornets. I gave this grade a A plus. I mean, granted, for where they selected him, there wasn't a better prospect on the board to to pick over LaMelo. They didn't pick for positional fit. They picked for the best player available, LaMelo Ball, an A-plus grade. I think he's going to be a star. You got to stop going before me. I also gave this pick an A-plus because, like you mentioned, that the third overall pick, I think that LaMelo is arguably the most talented player in the entire pool, and he has that it factor, that superstar factor that I don't see as much in Edwards and I don't see as much in Wiseman. So I think he was the perfect fit for Charlotte, and I'm excited to see you know, how he slots in this year, whether they trade Terry Rozier or if he just slides in and starts over Terry and Terry comes off the bench, if they start him at the three, there's so many opportunities with his yep. size and his talent. He he can be very versatile for them. I like that pick a lot, and I don't think they could have done any better. Mm-hmm. 
Number four overall pick, Patrick Williams, who was a surprise to everybody. I gave this grade a C. I was thinking about going lower, but I said Chicago needs defense. He can play the power forward or the small forward. He's great defensively. His his offense is just iffy. But because he kind of fits somewhere in that team and Billy Donovan is there, I gave this pick a C. I'm not as down on it, even though I would have liked them to pick a point guard better. Yeah, I gave it a C plus. You know, I think he has potential to be a solid NBA. I don't think he has star potential, to be totally honest with you. I think he can be a good NBA player. Um, I think the fit is a little weird, too. He's a little clunky. He doesn't move great. So to pair him alongside potentially Wendell Carter, Larry Markin, and, and then you know if you could put him at the three, I just don't know about that. He's a great defender, which will be nice having guys like Kobe White on the court, and I'm not sure who they're going to have at point guard yet. Tomas said Aransky. Maybe, and he or came Chris off Dunn. the bench. So, you know, it, it's I, I get where they were going with this pick, but with where they were picking at, it just didn't make much sense to me. I gave it a C-plus because I like Patrick Williams as a player. I just didn't like where they took him. So last number four overall pick that got selected and came off the bench was Deion Waiters for Syracuse. So that's just a little fun fact there. But the number fifth pick, the Cavaliers selected Isaac Okoro. I gave this, I, I, I get this grade is a D for me. Really? I mean, Isaac Okoro, when the best attribute about you was that you're a, you're a winner and you help win. I, like I don't, I'm, I think he was he's a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but a little bit smaller. Like I don't see star potential. I don't see superstar potential. Is he? Gonna, he's probably going to play the small forward position with Sexton and Garland being the two lead guards and him at the three. Kind of undersized for a small forward. I just don't see him making a huge impact. And when you had Obi Toppin there, when you could have drafted Obi Toppin, and Kevin Love Sutra in Cleveland is kind of a mystery, you should have went with that. But instead, they went with somebody like Okoro. I, you know, on my board, I had him going to like 10 to 15 range. I didn't have him going at the fifth pick. So I thought this was a surprise. I actually, I flip-flopped between a C-plus and a B-minus. I gave it a B-minus just because I think the fit is good. I think the past few years, you've seen them draft Garland, Sexton, even uh, Kevin Porter Jr. All three of those guys can score the heck out of the ball, but they do not play a lick of defense. So to bring in Okoro, who is known as a terrific perimeter defender, it's going to be nice to have that alongside the three guys who you hope to be your guards of the future. So I thought the fit was really good. I docked them a lot, like you mentioned, for passing up on a guy like Obi Toppin and a couple other players. I thought even Halliburton would have been a better pick here because just you know he can defend and he's also a great offensive player. He's more versatile. So I like Okoro. I like the fit. I just feel like they didn't get great value. That's why I went B minus. So the next pick, the number six pick, no, the number fifth pick in the draft, Onyeka Okongwu. I gave this grade an F. This is an F for me. I mean, you have Clint Capella, who's basically Onyeka clone, right? Or Onyeka's a Capella clone. I didn't see a need. I think they needed another lead guard. You saw when Jeff T got traded to the Hawks, they they had a huge jump. You know, they were a better team with Jeff T, and that's because a guard was able to take the pressure off of Trey Young. You could have got Halle Burton here, and you guys would have been set in the backcourt. The Hawks would have. But instead, you went with the center. A rim-running, good defending center. I get the pick, but it wasn't the right one. It's an F for me. Yeah, I gave this one a D plus. Like you mentioned, the fit was horrible. Um, behind guys like Clint Capella, John Collins, it's just where is he going to fit in to, to that team? 
I believe they, they still have Alex Len, right? I don't know what his contract is looking like, but they have bigs. They didn't need another big, and there were guards available that they could have drafted. There was wings available that they could have exactly. drafted. Exactly. Another guy, Tyrese Halliburton, I thought would have been a terrific fit here to pair alongside Trey Young, but instead they go with Onyeka, who I like. I actually like him a lot as a player. I think he could be a great NBA player. You know, he doesn't really fit the the mold right now, which is more versatile centers, but he, he can bang down low. He could step out and shoot it a little bit. So I think in the right situation, he would have developed really well. I mean, the hope is that he can become Bam Adebayo. That's yeah, the hope. Yeah, I just don't, like, I don't see where he's going to develop this year unless they trade Capella. Because it, I would have loved the pick if they didn't have Capella and you could have paired him alongside John Collins and it could have been like a little death lineup. But it just the fit it makes no sense to me. Exactly. Now the number seventh pick, Killian Hayes of the Detroit Pistons. I gave this grade an A. I mean, I love Killian Hayes. I'm high on him. If he was there where the Knicks were selecting, I would have wanted the Knicks to take Killian Hayes. I think he has the potential to be a superstar in the league. Maybe star, maybe superstars too much. Star in the league. Yeah, I love Killian Hayes. He's a smooth player. I thought this was a great pick. They needed a point guard of the future, and they secured one in Killian Hayes. Yeah, I gave him a B-plus for this one. I like Hayes a lot. Um, I think he needs a little bit of development, and it's it's small things that are fixable. Like, he needs to work on his right hand a little bit. Like, he definitely needs to work on getting better with his right hand. Um, he needs to get that shot a little bit more consistent. And physically, he just needs to get acquainted with the NBA game. You know, it's always a question mark bringing guys in from overseas, but the last few years, I feel like, you know, with, with Luca Porzingis, there's been a couple of big hits, and I think that Hayes can be that next guy. I like the fit, and, and I think it was a good pick for the Pistons. So the number eighth pick, the Knicks selected Obi Toppin. I gave this grade an A plus. Look, Obi Toppin, highlight reel. He's gonna bring excitement back to Madison Square Garden. I wasn't high on the pick when it was made, but like I said, sleeping on it, having some eight hours of sleep on it, I said, nah, that was a guy to pick. The Knicks made the right decision, and finally, some luck, some good luck goes by the Knicks' way. And this this was the best pick. This was the best available player at this pick. Yeah, this I is gave, an A+. Plus. I gave it an A. Just be, I, I flip-flopped between A, A-, minus just because I, we talked about the weaknesses in Obi Toppin's game. You know, he's... Not a good defender at all by any by any means. By any, there's no way to frame. He's a bad defender. But coming into the system, you know, we we discussed it. It was the right pick to make. He was by far the best available player in the board. He's box office. He can play, and he's like I mentioned before, a walking highlight reel. So if you can get him to reach that potential, he's gonna fill the seats at Madison Square Garden once again. So I, I really like this pick for the Knicks, and I don't exactly. think that there was any other way to go here. Number ninth pick, the Wizards selected Denny of Deja. Hopefully I said that right. But I gave this pick a B plus, and I gave this pick a B plus because it's not often that at the ninth pick you you do draft somebody in Denny who has star potential. I mean, he was the top five prospect. He could have went as high as five or four to Chicago, and you got him at nine. The Wizards were hoping a guy like this was available, and if he can get a jump shot, this pick is going to he's going to be one of the sleepers in this draft. But because of that, I gave him a, a B plus best available player they could have drafted at this spot. I, I think so. Yeah, just like I gave to the Pistons, I gave the Wizards a B plus. They found a nice overseas talent that, you know, I thought 
went a little bit lower than I thought they were going to go. They got great value for their pick. It's a good fit, and I'm excited to see if they can develop him. They've had some trouble developing a couple of guys over the past few years and in retaining that young talent. And now with John Wall, Bradley Beal, and they have some nice talent down there, Rory Hachimura, even Thomas Bryant. So he slots right into that three spot. It'll be interesting to see, you know, does he come in immediately? Does he play behind Troy Brown Jr.? So I'm excited to see him in Washington. I think it was a great value pick. Number 10th overall pick, the Phoenix Suns selected Jalen Smith. I gave this pick a D minus. Uh, I think that they could have gotten Tyrese Halliburton and had a point guard of the future after Chris Paul is gone. Jalen Smith has, he, he fits their positional need at power forward, but I don't think he should have been the pick. And that's why I gave this pick a D minus. This a grade of a D minus. I gave it a D, which was my worst grade that I gave out in the entire thing. I I talked about it before in my loser segment. You know, I just don't, I don't like the fit at all. I think they could have used the four if the four was somebody like, Onyeka, who can you know stretch the floor, he's athletic. I think Jalen Smith just does a better job at stretching the floor. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, think Onyeka is a think, shooter. I think he's a little more clunky than Onyeka. So I don't like the fit next to DeAndre Ayton. And like you said, Cam Johnson isn't the most athletic dude pairing alongside Ayton. So I just don't know where he fits in that big man scheme. And I thought they could have gotten a lot better value for where they're at. Number 11, Devin Vassell goes to the San Antonio Spurs. I gave this pick a B. I mean, Devin Vassell is 6'7". He's a great defender. He's a great shooter. He shot great in college. And if there's a team that can develop him into be like a star player, I think it's the Spurs. And this was a perfect spot for Devin Vassell to land. Yeah, I gave this one a B plus. I thought that, like you mentioned, in that Spurs system, a great three-point shooter and a great defender what more could you – I mean, that is prototypical Spurs. I thought, again, they got great value for where they were picking at. I know we had talked weeks leading up to the draft, maybe he would be a Nick at eight. And if Obi Toppin wasn't there, he might have been. So mm-hmm. they got good value. They got arguably the best shooter in college basketball in the country last year and a great perimeter defender. And pairing it alongside the guards that they have there, I really like DeJounte Murray. And that, that could be a nightmare – for opposing backcourts moving forward in the future. So I gave it a B plus. At the 12th pick, the Sacramento Kings selected Tyrese Halliburton. I gave this pick an A+. I mean, at this point, you got to draft best available and not positional need. Tyrese should have never been, been this far. He should have got drafted earlier. So for the Kings to get somebody to pair with De'Aaron Fox, because Buddy Heald might be out the door, Bogdanovich is out the door, you needed another guard. And they got that with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, and I, I gave this an A-plus for the value. And I also think that pairing him alongside De'Aaron Fox is going to be the perfect fit. I know they've been talking about Buddy Heald being out, so I, I don't know what the deal is with that. But if Buddy Heald does have to go in a trade, now you have a guy you could either play. I think you could play Fox at the two. You could play him at the two, however you want to split it. But I think those two guys can share the court they're both great playmakers, great defenders, and just like that Murray Vassell backcourt could be a nightmare matchup for backcourts in the future. So with the number 13th pick, the Pelicans selected Kara Lewis Jr. I gave this a grade of a D. I don't think he's a D-grade prospect, pause, but I think that he is a player that should have never been drafted here. I mean, you have George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick. You didn't have to draft a guard here. 
And for them to draft the guard here, I felt like was a waste of a pick. They could have went in so many different directions. I would have drafted Aaron Neesmith if I was the Pelicans. But because of those reasons, I'm giving this grade, this draft pick, a grade of a D. Yeah, I give it a C. I like Kira Lewis as a prospect, like you said, but it this fit just made no sense. And I thought there were better options on the board for them, Neesmith being one of them, and a couple of players that went after. But I just think that the fit made no sense with bringing in George Hill, Bledsoe, having Lonzo, having J.J. Redick. I don't see where he gets any minutes unless they make other deals, which then maybe we can revisit this grade. But as of now, I'm going to give it a C. The last lottery pick, number 14 pick, the Boston Celtics selected Aaron Neesmith. I gave this a grade of an A+. I think Aaron Neesmith, he's a star. He might not become a star in Boston because of how packed that that rotation is, but I think he's going to be a great shooter in the league. He, he can be a great defender. And if the Knicks would have drafted him at eight, I would have been happy with that pick. I think Aaron Neesmith is a star in the making, and this was a great pick, a great pick for Boston's bench, and you couldn't have found a better player, and this was the best shooter in the draft as well. Yeah, and for all the men- for all the reasons you mentioned, I'm going with an A for this one. Um, I- I- Aaron Neesmith reminds me a lot of Devin Vassell. Great shooter, one of the better shooters in the country last year, and a great defender, and I think that he'll be able to come in and play immediately off the bench for the Celtics. They needed some bench depth, and and that was great for them to be able to get him where they got him, a great value. So I give him credit for making such a good pick at at the end of the lottery. Exactly, and that does it for our draft grades. And now what we're going to talk about next is we're going to talk about free agency. We're going to talk about Chris Paul to Phoenix, Drew Holiday to Milwaukee, and we're going to debate James Harden and should he go to Brooklyn? You guys want to be here for that debate because it's going to get pretty heated. I already know. We already talked about this in group chats already. We already debated this. But okay, now we're going to talk about Chris Paul. Do you think that Chris Paul makes Phoenix a legitimate threat in the Western Conference? It's tough. Like I said, I really like the deal for Phoenix, and I think it was the right move. You needed to show Devin Booker almost like, uh, you know, like a like a, a branch of faith, we're trying for you because they haven't really done that. The best player that they've brought in, they brought in Aiton through the draft, but then Ricky Rubio, you know who else? Kelly Oubre, they're solid players, but they have they've been doing to Devin Booker almost what the Cavs did to LeBron James in his first stint there. It was like, what are you showing me to prove that I should stay here? It's not a huge market, so what is this doing for me staying in Phoenix? So bringing Chris Paul was like extending the olive branch and, and saying, we're trying. We're doing everything we can. He was a great role model, mentor type to bring in, and they have a lot of young talent in that locker room, so he'll be a great presence to have around. And I think it was a great move. Now, does it make them a contender in the Western Conference or you know even a playoff team? It's so hard to answer because you look at it, the Lakers – we're, we're saying barring injuries. The Lakers make it again. The Clippers make it again. The Nuggets, yes. The Thunder, maybe. No, no. Maybe. not over Phoenix. The Jazz, I think, are a playoff team again. The Mavericks, Luka's only going to get better at a playoff team. And the Trailblazers, if they stay healthy, there's no doubt they should be a playoff team. So that's six to seven teams right there. I didn't mention the Rockets because they're in a state of flux right now. But if Harden and Westbrook are there, there's no reason they shouldn't be a playoff team again. I know they're having chemistry issues, but there's two great talents. 
they will be a playoff team and those two guys are around. So it's just like, where do they fit? And then with this, like amidst the Suns, you have the Grizzlies who have a bunch of young talent that you have to imagine is going to improve. You know, the Kings, the Pelicans, we talked about the Warriors, the Timberwolves, everybody is improving. I don't see one team that is taking a big step back. So they are going to have to overachieve to make it. And it sucks because they're making the right moves. It's just you're in such a competitive conference that I just, it's going to take a great effort from them this season to make the playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are definitely making the playoffs, but whether they're a legitimate threat or not is a different question. To me, being a threat is upsetting a first-round team, a, a, a higher seed in the first round. They can do that. If they're going to make the playoffs, no doubt about it. I mean, Chris Paul, once you once he steps into your building, he's an instant, game-changing, winning-type player. I mean, he stepped into Houston. They were the best team in the NBA. They almost knocked out the Warriors. I think they would have did it if he never got injured. But look at these numbers. Chris Paul is 12th all-time in win shares. He's the all-time leader in offensive rating. He's third in box plus minus behind Jordan and LeBron. So in terms of winning and impacting the game on the court, he's arguably one of the best of all time. And with Chris Paul in Phoenix now, I think Devin Booker now becomes a fringe MVP candidate. And, I, you know, Devin Booker averaged 26 and 6. Who's to say he can't average 30? I think Devin Booker has the ability to average 30 a game. DeAndre Ayan averaging 19 and 11. I think he can average 23 and 12 now with Chris Paul. I mean, he's going to get so much more baskets with Chris Paul there, easier baskets. If Chris Paul can turn DeAndre Jordan into an all-star for multiple years, I think he can turn DeAndre Ayan into an all-star starter. You know, so I think they're those two guys are going to make huge leaps. It's just about who they get in free agency. Right now, they are a playoff team, no doubt about it. Whether they're a threat, a legitimate threat, depends on who they get in free agency. I mean, I think a guy they should get is Jeremy Grant, Marcus Morris. They have the cap to get one of these guys. They need to they need to sign defensive-minded wings who can also shoot the ball. Because Cameron Johnson, although I love him as a shooter, he's not a great defender. And you need to fill fill that void at the four spot. But I think he makes them a legitimate playoff team and they can upset a team in the first round, and they could potentially, depending on the matchup, beat a second-round team. Because I think Devin Booker is a superstar. I, I'll i say this. I definitely think if they make the playoffs, they can beat a first-round team. They are they have the talent. The, the one thing that concerns me is I love Chris Paul, and I think it was a great move to bring him in. But Because you saw what he did in Oklahoma City last year. He, he immediately stepped on the court, made an impact, and made that. Without him, they're not a playoff team. I think it's fair to say that. But Chris Paul, he's had injury problems his whole career. He's only getting older. So now you're counting on him to have the durability he had in Oklahoma City last year again this season. And you don't have any contingency plan at point guard. I don't even know who their backup point guard is right now. I mean, the only other guy they had on the roster, Rubio's gone. Jalen LeCue is gone. He I also think Javon Carter. They, have, they do have Javon Carter. Yeah, they yeah, have Javon there. Carter. Yeah, so but, but you're right. I mean, that's why they should have drafted Halle Burton or Kira Lewis Jr. Yeah, I thought that would have that would have made me feel much more confident in them, especially having Chris Paul around them, because I think automatically that would have increased, you know, their their acquaintance to the NBA. But 
if Chris Paul can stay healthy, I think they should be a playoff team. There's just so many questions. If they were in the East, they'd be a, a top four seed. But I think I wouldn't rule that out. If healthy, they can do that in the West. I, I wouldn't rule it out. It's just there's so many question marks. I mean, you just don't. For me, it's like the Clippers and Lakers are locks. I think they're going to be the best two teams in the conference again. After that, the Nuggets, they, you just don't know what these teams are going to be because a lot of them are relying on young talent getting better. So w- which teams are going to develop their young stars and which teams aren't? I would say, if I had to bet, I would say Phoenix is a playoff team, and if they don't win a first-round matchup, they at least put up a very good fight, take it to six or seven, because with Chris Paul and and a talent like Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, I think is going to become one of the better centers in the league this season if he can stay on the court all you know, 80, 80, or I believe 70 games now. I'm sorry. I think that they should be a playoff team. There's no question about that, but... There's so many question marks in the Western Conference, and you can't slip up at all because there are so many teams chasing. And I feel like we could talk about any of these teams. Like the Pelicans should also be a playoff team, but are they? You just don't know because there's only eight spots. It just depends. I I just have so much faith in Phoenix, especially after what they did in the bubble. But I think the whole year last year, they were a very competitive team. And what killed them was. Well, killed it was DeAndre Ayton getting suspended, suspended the first twenty games of the year. Exactly, and I think that probably not is not going to happen this upcoming year. So that's why I feel like pretty much the Phoenix Suns are a lock to make the playoffs. I I don't feel as confident to say lock. I would if I was a betting man, I would bet on them being a playoff team. And if they do make the playoffs, I definitely think that they are a threat to a first round playoff team. I would feel less confident if it was the Lakers. Less so the Clippers. More, so, I I would not feel confident against the Lakers if I was them, just because they don't they don't have the the facilities to guard. Nobody really has the facilities to guard the Lakers. If we're being honest, um, but outside of the Lakers and even the Clippers, they can hang with anybody in the Western Conference. I think that it's open season after the two seed in the Western Conference. Yeah. So talking about contenders. A team that should have been a contender last year but lost to the Heat in the second round, the Bucks. They went out and they they put all the chips on the table. They traded George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, three first-round picks and the rights to swap two of the first-rounders for two years to the Pelicans. And in return, they got Drew Holiday. And, I mean, now they have Chris Middleton, Giannis, Drew Holiday. They should have had Bogdanovich, but he decided that he didn't want to go there. So... With Drew Holiday there, do you think that the Bucs are the favorites in the Eastern Conference? Well, first, I just want to say it's funny how this deal worked out because originally when I saw the trade, I said the Bucs are only getting Drew Holiday for George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, and draft considerations. It's a steal for the Bucs. It's a great deal. And then it came out, they gave out three firsts, and I was like, oh, that's that's a lot to get I think Drew Holiday. That and this then the deal, swaps came out, and I was like, oh, my God. I but, think that this deal was the most the team has ever given up for an okay player. Like, Drew Holiday is a star player, yeah. but the most this is the most any team has given up for a player who is good. Yeah. But and, not a star, superstar level player. Yeah, and on the surface, like, if you're just looking at this deal in a magnifying glass, it's a horrible deal for the Bucks. I think that it, it is a very short-sighted deal if you're just looking at it by itself. But it's like the Clippers trading for Paul George. The Clippers didn't trade 
for Paul George. They didn't give up however many first-round picks they gave up and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari for Paul George. They gave that up for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The Bucks gave up three first-round picks and two pick swaps for Drew Holiday and Giannis signing a max extension. And if they don't get him to sign that max extension, this is a horrendous And trade. Drew can leave too. I mean, but back to the question, do you think that they're favorites in the East or do you have teams like still like Miami, Philly, the Nets above them? For me, it was never a question of the supporting cast. It was more Giannis and can Giannis develop that jump shot? Although... I will say in his defense, and I don't think that a lot of people looked at it this way last year, his supporting cast was terrible in that playoff series against the Heat. And they did win that game without him. And, and you know, it made it seem like they played really well. But Chris Middleton had a horrible playoffs. And nobody really played well around him. And he had solid numbers in the playoffs. So, you know, I think that his lack of versatility right now hurts them just because... He's not easy to guard, but he's easy to game plan for. You know what you need to do to stop him. Can you do it is another question. The Heat had the perfect personnel with Bam Adebayo and the bigs inside to to force him to kick out and make other people beat them, and they didn't do that. So I like the addition of Drew Holiday. I think defensively they're going to be incredible. You look at a lineup with Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, that's smothering. I want to see how they fill out the rest of the roster. Bogdanovich would have been a great addition because he would have bring some he would have brought some much needed offense and spot up shooting. It's going to hurt them that he's not coming especially because they just lost Wesley Matthews who's going to the Lakers who they would have to get through to win a championship. They lost a bunch of depth, you know, between I'm pretty sure they lost DiVincenzo or No, they didn't. They would have he's lost still, DiVincenzo and Bogdanovich. Yeah, they still got him. So they lost George Hill, Eric Bledsoe. They lost some depth. It helps that they keep DiVincenzo. They have some pieces coming off the bench, but they still need somebody to start at the three or the two, I guess, depending on where you want to put Middleton. Um, So depending on how they round out the roster, I'll feel much more confident. But I feel like a lot rests on Giannis' shoulders. What is he going to come back as? And I hate to be the guy that says, you know, he's not that great without a jump shot because he's incredible. There's no mistaking it. He is a, a... supernatural freakish talent but he is easy to game plan for and if you have the right personnel like the heat who have not gone away they're going to be the same team this year with bam Adebayo just getting better it's going to be tough for them unless guys like drew holiday chris middleton and brooke lopez step up hit a bunch of shots and then it's a different story this does not make them favorites in my opinion i would still I would still count more on the Celtics, the Nets, depending on health, the Heat. I would feel better putting my confidence in those teams personally just because I think they can develop this season into more versatile teams than the Bucs. I don't put Boston there at all. Yeah, I don't think Boston can game plan for Giannis or even Garden. They have no big. So I don't see that. I think Miami is the... Miami and the Nets are the teams that I look at. Philly to an extent, even though Philly has really bad chemistry issues. The Nets, though, I feel like they can, you know, you put Giannis on KD. You put Drew Holiday on Kyrie Irving and Middleton on Levert. I think you can really neutralize them a lot. But, you know, for me right now, I think it's about the Bucs bench. 
You mentioned their yeah. bench, but I really don't think they have a bench. I mean, Kyle Korver, he's probably going to retire. Marvin Williams retired. Yeah, um, Vincenzo, but that's really it. Yeah, like Wes Matthews is signing with the Lakers. Don't have, who is their who is their fifth starter right now? Because I know their fifth they're, starter is DiVincenzo at the two. Ooh. That's who he's going to be. And then off the bench, you have DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, and Robin Lopez. Like you don't have a bench. That's what I'm worried about. Also, you know, when we talk about Giannis's help, I think Drew Hardy is going to be a perfect player because Eric Bledsoe he couldn't shoot, yeah. and he's very inconsistent. Yeah. Drew Holiday, he can shoot and he can lock up on the other end of the floor. And he's not a, a very high-maintenance player. He doesn't need touches to be effective. He can exactly. just slot up and shoot. You know, we've seen Drew Holiday play the point guard and become an all-star with Philly. We've seen him go to the Pelicans in this past year, have to play the shooting guard role. So he can play different roles. You know, I would have liked if they didn't give up George Hill and they would have just gave up Bledsoe because three first-round picks in both of their, yeah. their point guards is a lot. But... You know, I think they can beat any team in the East outside of maybe Miami. I think Miami would be a tougher matchup. But I think it just relies on, you know, who are they going to sign? Who are they going to get on the mid-level exception? Who's going to come want to play in Milwaukee? Because if Giannis doesn't sign this super max, then their future is done. They have no future. So they need to do something. And I'm not sure if this pick, if this move, this trade for Drew Holiday was the move to do. You know, I think it does make them better, but they just gave up way too much. I understand why they did it, though. They were scrambling after Chris Paul got dealt. They knew they needed to do something because they promised Giannis after the season they were going to make an all-out attack on a championship, and this was the move that they had to do. You know, I don't know who else was available. I don't think they would have had the assets for West, for Harden or Westbrook, and I don't really see many other pieces that are available right now that would be a show of we're really trying to get you a championship. So although it was tough, I get why they did it. You could call it bias. I personally think if the Nets are healthy, they're the favorites in the East just because their depth and you know their personnel is tough to guard. The Bucks have the right personnel to stop them, but they don't have the bench depth. And I think that in a seven-game series, that would kill them, depending on who they bring in. Because you know I'd like to revisit this when we see who they bring in. The Heat are also, they're the same team that beat the Bucks last year. Granted, Giannis got hurt and missed some of that series. Tyler Hero is only going to get better. Bam Adebayo is only going to get better. Duncan Robinson is going to yeah, get better. Yeah, I get so. that, but also this year if they face Miami again, it's a different team. It's a team that can space the floor better. And, you know, last year you could have you could sag off on, on Eric Bledsoe. You know, you don't have to worry about him. This year, you know, you have to guard Drew Holiday. You have yeah. to guard Middleton. You have to guard these players that they have that can stretch the floor. So I think there's a little bit of difference there. But, I mean, no doubt about it, the Bucks have the best defensive trio in the Eastern Conference in Drew Holiday, yeah. Chris Middleton, and Giannis. And Brooke Lopez is a great defender. Exactly. I, I just think it's about who they bring in off the bench to score because right now they have no depth. Yeah, that Bogdanovich move would have really helped them. Just to fill out the starting lineup, even though it would have hurt their depth, I didn't think that they were giving up too much to get Bogdanovich. And now, again, they're going to be left scrambling. Just like they were for Drew Holiday after Chris Paul got dealt. They're scrambling after they were prepared to make a move and they had already pivoted. Now they're going to have to do what the Lakers did after Kawhi signed last year when they thought that they had a chance. And they're going to have to find guys 
who are willing to come in for the mid-level exception and fill out that bench. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, personally, I don't think they're the favorites in the East. I think they can be come first day of the season, and that's something that we could revisit. But as of right now, I'm not saying they're the favorites in the East. So the last topic of the episode, should Brooklyn trade for James Harden? I mean, for me, this is a no-brainer. If, if you have a chance to trade for James Harden, you trade for James Harden. But I know you feel differently. I don't know why. I think you're kind of delusional and crazy to think the way that you think because James Harden instantly makes you guys better. But I want to hear, and I actually want you, you to tell the people that are listening why you don't want James Harden. Well, I mean, the people in the chat agree with me because the topic just got two hell no's in the chat. So they're crazy. Sean Marks said, I believe yesterday, that although he's trying to build a winner in Brooklyn, he's trying to build sustained success. And I personally, uh, hear me out, I don't think that James Harden is the move for sustained success. Sustained success. It's a tongue twister. Try and say it 10 times fast. But, you know, I just feel like the deal that you would be giving up to get him, what I've heard right now, and don't misconstrue this as saying it's not what Harden's worth because Harden is worth everything. He's a top three, top five player in the league. There's no debating that. And there's a reason that superstars like that don't get traded often, and that's because their value and what people can realistically give up for them don't usually match up because it will cripple you moving forward if it doesn't work out. What I've seen proposed for Harden would be something along the lines of Levert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and at least three to four firsts and pick swaps involved as well. So you look at so a deal three like role players. So three role three role players, a scrub, and first round picks that Sean Marks doesn't even know how to draft. Just okay. First, he of doesn't all, know how to draft. That, that's totally he know, an unreasonable. He claim. doesn't I'll know how to draft. To, I'll get to that. He doesn't know how to draft. Okay. Do you want me to? T- do you want me to take on that point right now? Because in his draft so far. The picks that he has made in 2016, he traded up from the second round to get Karis LeVert. 2017 was his first year as a GM. He 2017 dra- draft. He drafted Karis LeVert in 2016. It was his first pick. The first pick he made as a GM was Karis LeVert. He traded up to get, maybe it was in 2017 after the 2016 season. Maybe I got my years wrong. But his first pick was Karis LeVert, who with the injuries that he suffered at Michigan, he fell off a lot of people's draft boards. Originally, before he got hurt, he was being talked about as a lottery pick. They got him at 20, and as of right now, he's tied for fifth in VORP among that draft class. So that was a great pick. In 2017, he traded up to get Jared Allen, or maybe it was 2018, if I'm saying my years incorrectly. This is his draft history. Marcus Page. Where is he now? He's nowhere. Okay. And Jared and, Allen. And when did he pick Marcus? Jared Page? Allen. When did he pick? Oh Marcus no, I'm just Page? naming you the picks. You can, you can, the guys that are that are watching can, you know, talk about who, when did they pick, when did they make the picks? But these are who we picked: Marcus Page, Jared Allen, Kyle Kuzma, Nikhil Alexander he Walker, Karis Levert. Okay, you say that, but I'm not sure if he did. He did. Whatever. He did. That's that's one role player added. Alexander Rezenkov. I don't even know who the hell that is. 
Dazan and Musa. Musa who just got traded for nothing. For Bruce Brown. For not I nothing. I guess nothing. For, pretty for much a nothing. good role player. Rodinus Kuruks. Kuruks. Who was? Dialu. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Mifiondo Kambengeli. Nicholas Claxton. The best players that Sean Marks has drafted were Jared Allen, Kyle Kuzma, and Kuruks. And considering where he's been drafted, I'd say that's pretty darn good. I don't think so. You traded a, Kuzma, so he, he is. Does he yes, count? Traded Kuzma he for D'Angelo Russell. Does, does, remember, does, does remember Kuzma? Who, so Kuzma doesn't count because it, it was a trade. Even if you say he doesn't count, even if he does count, he traded him for D'Angelo Russell, who turned into an All Star. Jared and, Allen and, and Kuruks. Jared Allen and Kuruks are your best picks. Jared Allen, who's been very good for us at the twenty second pick, that's a great value. And Kuruks, who had a great rookie year before he had, he had his career. Great rookie year? He had a great rookie year. He didn't year. have a great rookie year. He had a great rookie no, year. No, he didn't. For where he was picked no, he at, didn't. a second-round pick, he, he had a great rookie year. It was a great no, value pick, and then he had his career clouded by a domestic all of these charge. All of these guys, you guys drafted, Sean Marks has drafted about eight guys. I trade all of them right now for James Harden. These guys are scrubs. Jared Allen is not going to stay with the Nets next year. You paid DeAndre Jordan already $10 million a year. Jared Allen is gone. He's he's going. Dinwiddie has already kind of been. He has a big ego. He wants to be the man. That's he's probably he's probably no. Nah, that's not speculation. He wants to be the man. He he said that he th- he you know he has that ego that he thinking, wants to be like. Thinking that. you can be the man and wanting to Dinwiddie's be the man are two different. Dinwiddie's probably not going to be there. the only player that you're legitimately trading that was part of the Nets' long term plan past this season is Karis Levert, and he's a role player. And I trade him for James Harden. Like that, James Harden okay. is an MVP. Five of the four of the last five years, he's been he's finished top three in the MVP conversation. There's not even a question that you trade for James Harden. And again, like I mentioned, and you totally did not listen to or just didn't heed it. Karis Lavoie, guys that you would trade for James Harden, and guys that you should be willing to trade for James Harden are two totally separate categories. When you are a team, you shouldn't be willing to trade Karis Levert. You see, that's that's your problem with this deal is you're breaking it down into individual pieces, which when you do that, it sounds stupid. But when you look at the entire deal, especially coming off the heels of a rebuild that took a decade because you traded away a franchise worth of picks, you would be stupid to trade away another decade's worth of picks. When it doesn't matter. When, when that doesn't matter. Look at the guys that you have in the building right now. What is the biggest concern about the Nets? Your chemistry. Yes. You have. Because, because you have. Oh, hold con- up. Hold because, up. No, 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 no. I'm not holding You have up. no, no, no chemistry no. right I'm not now. Because I let you speak. Now you got to let me speak. Kyrie Irving went to Boston. Everybody said he was a cancer and forced his way out of a situation with great young talent. And the Celtics got better without him. Kevin Durant went to Golden State. And what happened? The chemistry fell apart. And that's why he left. Because Draymond. And I'll tell you exactly when it started for both of those guys. In Golden State. The biggest problem with the chemistry started when Draymond Green looked off Kevin Durant and took a wild circus last second shot instead of giving him the ball. And everything collapsed from there. Kyrie Irving, there was a moment in Orlando last year where he wanted the last second shot. He didn't get it, and it led to chemistry problems. So now you're going to take those two guys who had chemistry problems about not getting the basketball enough, and you're going to add James Harden, who's one of the highest usage players in the NBA, and you don't think there's going to be any problems there? And on top Obviously, of that, there's going to be problems. Okay. Are you done? Okay, so there's going to be problems. And then what's your solution? Well, are you that? done? So Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can be gone next year if they want to. They have options. They can be out. 
And then you're stuck with, I shouldn't say stuck with, you're left with James Harden, DeAndre Jordan, and what? What? How How are you building around that team listen, after that? Because you, you would be giving up four first-round picks and then probably three three pick swaps as well. So you wouldn't be picking again in the lottery or any solid first-round pick for a decade. You're done. It's you're, you're, You made you your can, point? You can okay. redo if you want. First of all, that... Kyrie Irving point, you can talk about how he was so horrible in Boston. I mean, Gordon Hayward just declined an option for $34 million a year. So I've been been the first guy to defend Kyrie Irving. So obviously... It wasn't all Kyrie and Boston, right? I've been the guy. To so, say so, that so you, so why, so why did you even use that as a point? So whatever. Because that so, is the point okay. that everybody's been making. Okay, so okay, but but if you don't agree, if you if, if you don't agree with that point, why would you make it? But nonetheless, I'm gonna go past that. Ke- of course, Kevin Durant is gonna get mad at Draymond for taking the last second shot. It's Draymond Green. He hasn't shot above 33 percent from three in like four years. Of course he's not going to take the last shot. If it's James Harden taking the last shot or Kyrie, I'm fine with it. You can You're deal with it. with it. You're fine I, with Kevin it. Kevin Durant would be fine with it are too. Are you sure about yes, that? Yes, he would. Because these are, sure are, you these are superstar players. These aren't Draymond Green. Draymond Green barely cracks 10 points per game. So, like, so it's a diff. There's a difference. And then you talk about mortgaging your future. When you traded all those picks, it was for Paul Pierce and KG past their prime. James Harden is in his prime. And Paul Pierce was never an MVP type of player. He was never an MVP in the league. Kevin Garnett was, was, but he was past his prime. James Harden is an MVP. Look... I don't care. You do the move because That's right now, problem, right no, 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 no. because care. look, That's the, the Nets, the Nets have never won a championship in team history. When you have a chance to win, your future is now, is the present. You're not looking at the future. Your present is now. You have to capitalize on this opportunity. A- answer me this question: Yes or no? Does James Harden make the Nets? A better team than with Lavert, Allen, and Dinwiddie. It's ridiculous to say answer that yes or no because how is it ridiculous? Yes or no? Because slight, does James Harden make the Nets better? Slight, right now, slightly yes, but he you does. also need to consider. So do the move. What, what was one of the biggest problems we were just talking about with the Bucks? Their what? Their bench. Their depth. And what would be? But the, you have depth. You have no, Landry Shamit, Bruce depth. Brown, Bruce Brown, they, Landry Shamit. Those aren't guys that are good that off the bench. That is not good depth. Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit can average up, fourteen points per game. Of Karis Levert, Karis Levert, also, come on. Also, man. you might as well say Joe Harris is in the deal because you wouldn't be able to resign him. And what are you going to say? Oh, Joe Harris, come on! Because you said that about come every on. player I've named. That's You're why they got Shamit. That's why they got Shamit. Shamit can be Shamit cannot hold Joe Harris's jockstrap. Are you serious? It, it's You're not serious even close. now. Are it's you not serious? Even close. I'm You're being serious. ridiculous. Now. I'm being dead Joe serious. Harris. Landry Shamit can't hold Joe Harris's. First of all, first of all on, he's man. a world's better defender. Second of all, he's a better passer. Joe Harris is a Third world's all, better defender than Landry Shamit. Yes, it, you it's said not world's better defender is Joe Harris. Even a state defender, he's an I don't think he might defender. even be a state defender. He's an he's, an, he's a whatever defender. defender. So is Shamit. They're they're like the same player, honestly. Shamit and Joe Harris. That if is, we're being that's not, one of the worst. Yes, they I've are. Ever heard they're, you say they're like it's the same player. It's, it's not, not even to close. say it's not even close is ridiculous. Joe Harris is one of the better three point shooters in the league. He's so is one Shamit. of the most efficient so players in the league around the rim, which Landry Shamit cannot do. Landry Shamit cannot defend a lick, and he. But you're getting James Harden. 
I don't care. If you're getting James Harden puts the Nets in a better position to win. And Maybe right slightly. now, you have to win. James Harden with the starting lineup of Austin Rivers, Daniel House, Kenneth Fareed, and PJ Tucker maintained his status in the West and made the playoffs with that lineup. He made Kenneth Fareed average 15 points and 10 rebounds. Harden doesn't need much to succeed. If he's with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, that will work. Okay, you just mentioned how he did all that, but if he comes to Brooklyn, he will not be that guy. He doesn't have to. In OKC, he was he was one he was one of the better and more efficient okay, off the ball players in the NBA, the and he played with Kevin Durant. I'm not questioning if he can do it or not. I'm saying he won't, and so you're not trading for the James Harden that he's been with the Rockets. So Jack, so Jack, years. if James Harden is with KD and Kyrie, free agents aren't like hmm. I'll I won't I won't take much money to go play with them. I want to go play with them. Maybe they will, but that's a totally separate point than what I was just saying. They could they'll you're do tra- that. You're trading for James Harden, not the James Harden who's been an MVP candidate the past four or five seasons. You're trading for James Harden, who you said would be willing to play off the ball. And if he's playing, if he's willing to play off the ball, that's great. But he's not going to be as good as James, he is yes, with the yes, ball in he his Yes, he'll be way more efficient. Jane, Kevin O'Connor, after James Harden lost in the playoffs to the Lakers. Oh, great, Kevin O'Connor. No, he asked, he asked James Harden. He said, you were a super efficient player in OKC playing off the ball. Is that something you'd like to go back to? James Harden answered that question saying, I'll do whatever it yes, takes to and win. that is great and for he, James He's Harden. willing to do I that. Would be happy wait, wait, so, for him. so you're telling me, James Harden, if he plays off the ball, he won't average 25-plus points per game? Not with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Yes, Durant he will. Come team. on. Now that's ridiculous. He's one of the best scorers of all time, and he's he won't a, average 25 a, great, a game. He's a great isolation scorer. We he's have a, not he can, seen him play off so, the ball since Oklahoma City. So, so, with the Nets, the so with the Nets, he won't get about seven shots, seven threes a game that are wide open. I don't know if he will. He probably will. He probably will. He probably will. They can work, and... Mike D'Antoni is uh, there based too. Based on what though? Based on what? You based just keep on, telling me they based can on, work. Based on Harden's evidence in OKC. And if you want to go back to recent memory. OKC is a half a go, decade okay, ago. Okay, if you want to go back to recent memory, just this last year, everybody said Harden and Westbrook wouldn't work. And it if didn't. you Yes, it did. To an extent, and that's that's wrong to say it didn't. They didn't win a championship because the Lakers were that dominant in the playoffs. Let's just be honest. But they barely snuck by the Thunder. The Thunder were a good team. The Thunder were a good and team. And Westbrook was hurt. Westbrook was hurt, too. He was playing that whole series hurt. But nonetheless, Harden and Westbrook are the highest-scoring duo in NBA history. It did work. It wasn't a train and who wreck. who was the third option on that team? Eric Gordon. And how much did he touch the ball in the isolation? He touched the ball a lot. I don't in know if you isolation. watched the games. He, the he, he got a lot of ISO opportunities. Yes, he did. As did you watch as, the playoffs? Yes, I he watched, did. obviously he I watched did. the playoffs. He did. He did. I'm telling you. As much as Kyrie Irving and Kevin he Durant won't, were getting broken. But now, wait. So Harden playing with Westbrook and those guys, what was happening to him constantly that I've always was like, damn, I wish this wasn't happening to him. He was getting double. He was getting double. Is he gonna get double is he gonna get double team in Brooklyn? No, because he's no, not gonna be at isolating. All. Because you told me that he's gonna be playing. Even off in the ball. even if even in isolation, Harden does not get double teamed in Brooklyn. He got double teamed in Houston because they didn't have because Westbrook couldn't shoot. He does not get double teamed in Brooklyn. If he's going one on one each possession in Brooklyn, it's ridiculous to say he won't yes. average 25. And then, and you my, said he wouldn't average my, 25. Because you told me that he's not going to be playing isolation ball. By I'm saying... Time, if he's isolating as many possessions a game as you're insinuating, Kyrie Irving will be requesting a trade by the trade deadline. It, it won't work. 
it simply won't work. Yes, There's two ways it's going to go. Either James Harden gets the touches that he deserves, and one of the other two guys becomes unhappy, more than likely Kyrie Irving, because this is totally a Kevin Durant-headed thing. That's how it started. Kyrie's had no input on this. He's had no say. How do you know that? Because it's been reported by multiple people. So, so, Ky- so Kevin Durant, best friends with Kyrie Irving. You know that James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant worked out together recently. Yes, I do. So, know so that. Kevin Durant, who's best friends everything with Kyrie, I've read that Ky- everything I've so read Kevin said Durant, that, Ky- that Kyrie has not had an input. So on Kevin this. Durant, this is KD. That's, so Kevin Durant, that's best friends with Kyrie, has not talked to him and Maybe said he has. Should, okay, but I'm, so I'm that's going speculation. Based on, I'm, so that's no, no, speculation. No, no, no. You are speculating. No, that's speculation. I'm going based on what's been reported, which is that Kyrie has isn't not it, had an input. Isn't on it this. pretty gullible to think that best friends wouldn't talk to each other about a player that they could potentially like you just get? tried to tell? me that's speculation i'm no, going on what's that's being, being realistic if i'm your best friend i'm gonna talk it's to you about this no it's so being realistic being so what's being reported joe i'll tell me that what's being reported is that harden that, to the nets would make them the best team in the eastern conference so and in the league the topic, and they'd win so the championship the that's what's being reported so baby they're gonna the win a chip if they get if they get harder, they're winning a chip. Are you done? You changed the topic because you knew you were wrong on that because you were no because I'm and it's I was common sense. If, if we're best friends, I'm going to talk to you about like okay, which if, is speculation. If, if no? we if we're having a guest on a podcast, am I going to go to a reporter and tell them, oh, this is just my idea or would I talk to you and River Bottom and say are, we're going to have you are him speculating on? that? And no, I, I just think it's common sense that I talk to my best friend about a player and that's the caliber of James Harden. I'm not going to argue that it's factually you're speculating. I'm speaking based on what was reported. All right. Second of all. You brought up a long time ago, which I I tried to interrupt you. I shouldn't have. But one thing I wanted to get back to is you talked about playing with superstars. So let's talk about playing with superstars. Kyrie Irving playing with LeBron. How did that end? Not good. LeBron LeBron is not good. Yeah, of course. I mean, they won a championship. But do the next one win a championship? But he forced his way out. He forced his way out. You want to know? You want to know why it's different? Kevin Durant in Golden State. With two, uh, with with one superstar and two other star level talents at that point in time, I would have considered Draymond Green a star. How did that work out? It didn't work out well. They won a championship, yes, but in the end, it did not. work Those out situations well. are different. I'll tell you why. In Cleveland, we know that when you play with LeBron, LeBron gets all the credit and his teammates get all the blame and don't get none of the credit when they win. I mean, people have already forgotten about Anthony Davis. Let's just be That's honest. Yes, it is true. Yes, that it is, is true. true. People definitely forgot about Chris Bosh. Because Chris Bosh did not play the role that he, he did. He did in play. Toronto he did play in, well. In he did play well. But okay. People forget about LeBron's teammates. And when we look at Kevin Durant and Golden State, why didn't he like Golden State? Because nobody gave him credit. Nobody people are still putting asterisks next to Kevin Durant's rings right and now. You think that they're gonna get credit if James Harden comes to Brooklyn? Brooklyn is not Golden State. Golden State was a juggernaut for Draymond Green That's defensive player. Well, you're telling me Brooklyn's gonna no, be if he they're comes. they were a big three, but they're not a Golden State was a big four. That's different. And Kevin Durant lost to them. In seven. That's different. I can't believe that you think that people will give them credit for they a championship will. if they, they will. Because they, they will. Get, they'll get ridiculed the same way Golden State did when they won the championship. Nah. Because everybody's going to look at it as 73 a win Golden State team versus a, what seed were the Nets again? Eighth or seventh seed? Yes. This past with, year? With Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Okay. Total, the so, season. so, Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury. Kyrie Irving, who's a so cancer. Now you're no, 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 no. Like now that, you're framing it like this because you, James you, fr- you framed it as Kyrie Irving, cancerous teammate as well. No, so, no, no, no. I didn't frame it. I said that that's what people okay, looked at it as. So, so, this I is. Didn't say it was this, my opinion. So, the narrative. So, this is the narrative. 
Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles, Kyrie Irving, cancerous teammate with James Harden, the ball hawk. If they make it work, people are going to praise it because nobody thinks it's going to work. Most people the don't. Nets, most the Nets people are, the, are ha, people the, are half and half on this. The Nets have the fifth best betting odds in the NBA going into oh, yes, this season. Oh yes, but people, you know that people are half and half on this. People think it's not going to work, and there's others like me who think it's going to work. I think it's going to work. You think it won't? I think Is, that I. I never said I don't think it will work. I said I don't think it's a wise move, and that's something that you've been misconstruing this entire time. I Is think it's a I'm, wise move. Is that I'm fully against it because I'm not fully against it. I'm arguing against it because you're arguing a thousand percent for it. So it makes because it seem I am. like I hate the move. I don't hate the move. I'm not a hundred percent against it. I just think it's short-sighted because when you look at it, you're bringing in three guys. And I, when I was talking about superstars, I didn't even mention we talked before about how good of a teammate Chris Paul is. Him and Harden didn't work out, and Harden ended up. It did work traded. out. It, it did it, not and work the, out. So first seed almost beating the Golden State Warriors in seven games until Chris Paul got injured isn't called working out. They, That's the best team ever assembled in NBA history, and they almost they, beat them. They had multiple arguments, and if you remember... That no, they Warrior, did. They did. And, and but if you remember that almost Warriors worked series, out. the Warriors were also dealing with injuries. Did, so did it, it almost did it, worked did out. Did it end badly? Yes, it ended badly. But did it work That's out? That's the key. It did work out. Okay, so I misworded what I said. It ended badly, which is the same way Kyrie in Cleveland, Kyrie in Boston ended... The same way Kevin Durant in Golden State ended, and you could even argue the same way it ended in Oklahoma City for Kevin Durant because he left because he didn't like playing alongside Russell Westbrook. So, uh, like, for me, the way I look at it is right now already, and, and hear me out on this, right now already you have two combustible superstars. I've said I think it can work, but I'm still skeptical if these two guys are going to be able to put their egos aside and make it work. The good thing right now is you're a top five title contender in the NBA. If it doesn't work out in the worst case scenario, Kyrie and Kevin Durant leave next year. You still have three really solid young players and Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen, and you have your picks for a decade. So you can rebuild. There is light at the end of the tunnel. If you make this move for James Harden, yes, you slightly increase your chances to win a title this season. But then if it doesn't work, you kill yourself in the future. You have no future. You empty all of your assets. So I just don't think it's a wise move looking at sustained success, which is what Sean Marks has said he's wanted. I think that you are a perfectly fine championship contender if you bring back Joe Harris and you run it with this team. I don't see any reason. The only reason they wouldn't compete for a championship this year is if Kevin Durant doesn't come back healthy or if him and Kyrie Irving have chemistry issues, which would both be problems if they brought in James Harden too. So either way, it would combust if the if the big issues arose. That's your final point? That's my final point. Okay. I'll see what you have to my, say and maybe I'll respond. My final point is that the Nets have never had sustained success. You have zero championships in NBA history. This is your one chance to be favorites by a lot. And if you don't want to make the move, that's crazy. This is your chance to succeed right now. Who cares about sustained success? You guys never had that anyway. Just take the gamble. Go all in. James Harden makes you, this is my final point, James Harden puts you in a better position to win a championship, and that's why the Nets should make the move. Well, I'll actually respond to that. I know I said it's my final point, but when the reason you're wrong in this debate is, And I feel confident saying that is because you just said you don't care about sustained success, which is not a right, a correct way to manage an NBA team. 12 and 70. That was the Nets record in 2010. 
Yeah, and, and and that has nothing to do with right Sustained now. success never happened for the Nets. Under even Sean Marks. even if the if Kevin Durant and Kyrie don't win a championship with the Nets, you guys are gonna go back to square one. Rather rather go back to square one with James Harden than with nothing. But what you you Sean Marks can't draft anyway. So that yeah. is that's a ridiculous point. I, we, I just, just, we just talk, I, we just talked about the draft. I disproved picks. with the draft history. You spec. I mean, you brought in your opinion. Your you best said, pick was Karis LeVert. Jared Allen, eh. They are because, players. Because you're comparing them to James Harden, which is ridiculous to do. It's completely they unfair to them They are players, players, though. They're not Yes, they players. are. Karis LeVert was one of the best players in the bubbles this past year. Come on. Are you going to disagree? <laughs> he was he was second team all bubble. Am I wrong about that? So is we're going to use so we're going to use that uh, the bubble. And all season Come long on, he bro. was very good. The second option behind Spencer I'm Dimity. off this debate. I'm off this debate. You're off this debate because you lost. No, it. I'm off because this debate you, because you, you just mentioned the you bubble lost awards. The debate. You lost the debate. Devin Booker is the MVP of the bubble. And you just said that Devin Booker can be an MVP candidate last year. Well, he can't, but that's based off his years. He's averaging 26 for like his last three years. And Karis LeVert has been out. One of the bigger points you brought up was look how he played in the bubble. So now I can't use bubble success to talk about Karis LeVert. Devin Booker has a track record. Playing under pressure to bring your team to the playoffs because if they did not win games, they would have been kicked out of the playoff race. I, All right, I'm 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 off this debate. And, and and one other thing I wanted to address about what you said is they're going to be heavy title favorites. They still don't have a person on the roster. They don't have a person in the organization that can guard Anthony Davis. And I don't think they would have anybody that can guard LeBron James either. You could put Kevin Durant on him, but coming off an Achilles injury, I don't trust that. Who's going to guard Harden if the, the Nets get Harden? Who's going to guard him? They have some great perimeter defenders. Who the Lakers? Angeles. Yeah. And they that did, can guard they did Harden. A, they did a pretty good job. Who, who are they the great? Per, who are the great year. perimeter defenders? They did a pretty good job last year. Who are year? the great perimeter defenders? Avery Bradley's leaving. Danny Green is left. Caldwell Pope is leaving. Who's a great? Caldwell perim- Pope's not leaving. Yes, he already every, declined every, his option. Every report has said that he's coming back to Los Angeles. All right, but okay, so he's going to guard Harden though. He's he's a very solid defender. All right, they have they have good perimeter defense in Los Angeles, and it worked out last year, did it not? All so right. I don't think they would be heavy title favorites this year. I think they would be title favorites. But I think that that slight increase in this year's title race is not worth mortgaging your future, which you said you don't care about. And that's the reason why, in my opinion, you're wrong on this. Because and the Nets have totally never had a future before, future. and they so, won't, so won't be, have one so, after. So because they've never yes. had any future before, yes. they should throw out any you, you future You take they the can. chance to win a championship now. That's it. You and go they all have in. a chance to win a championship No, you, now. you go even more all in. You go all in. So the Heat have a chance to win a championship. Does that mean they're not going to go and try and get Giannis? You go all in. If you have a chance, you go all even, in. That is not even a comparable yes, situation. Yes, it's it is. It's not even close yes, it is. to being comparable. Yes, it is. Yes, it's it not is. not even close. Bam Adebayo is not a star? Jimmy Butler is not a star? Bam is a star, and neither of them are Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. But they're not stars. Getting no, Giannis is not a third star. They're stars, but none of them are high but, but, usage, but isolation the point, But the point is, but the point all is, three of them but the point is, but the point is, they were there, but they could get a better chance if they get a star. A star. That's why they should a get star a star. That fits. Even if it's a star that fits, James Harden is going to fit. Great players will find he a way to make fit, it work though, because the yes, three he, of them, the fit. three of those players are at their best at isolation scorers. And unless they bring a new rule into NBA play this year that you can have three basketballs on the court at the same time, they can't all three be three isolation right. scorers. I'm done with this debate. Obviously, you you much rather have Levert, Dinwiddie, and Le- and Allen. Then James Harden. 
So I guess I, so. I, I wonder, so I guess so. I wonder why you're I guess so, so biased to James, I guess to the James Harden I guess so. side of this. You today. would rather want what Jared Allen is sitting over there on the chair. That a, you were I'm not. Wear for this I'm not episode. saying I love James Harden, and that's why if James Harden goes to the Nets, he'll win a championship, and that's why I want him to go to the Nets. But that's just good for you. If he goes and wins a championship, that's good for you guys. Why wouldn't you want that? I appreciate your confidence. I would not feel as confident in the Nets winning a championship with that group. And I think that at least right now... No, yeah, yeah. You, you feel more confident in Dinwiddie. I get it. And not Levert. At not at and all. And Levert. And, and that's the problem with your argument is you keep latching on to comparing those guys... Those are the guys on, that are one on staying. One ...to James Harden when that's not the argument at all. So if I'm building a team right now, am I taking James Harden or Levert, Dinwiddie, and Allen? Again, that's the problem. You're totally ignoring the context no. of the argument. Oh, that You're is the context. You said I'm doing it individually. Now I'm bringing all three. I'd rather have Harden in all three of these scrubs. Okay. So and get him out of here. I'd rather have a superstar MVP player. I would rather have James Harden than all three of those players too. But in the context which you're blatantly A four first-round picks, right? Four first-round picks and probably three pick swaps on top so, of that, so, along with three good young talents. Yes, that cripples your future if the three combustible superstars that you're bringing in don't work out, and it would be a bad bet. It would be like winning $100,000 in Vegas and throwing 90000 back on the table. It's <laughs> just guess, not a smart But the bet. Nets would, make it, would win the championship with Harden. Maybe. And that's maybe a fact. They would. And that's a fact. It's not a fact. Yes, there's it is a fact. Guaranteed yes, it is a fact. There's nothing yes, guaranteed in the league. You know just as well as I do there's nothing guaranteed in the league. Look at the Clippers last year. The Clippers were heavy favorites to win a championship last year, and what happened? Their chemistry crumbled, and in the biggest moment of their season in Game 7, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and now what is the discussion? Where do the Clippers go from here? And that is what the Nets would be next offseason if they don't win a championship. Didn't Paul George and didn't Paul George and Kawhi sign two year deals and Kevin Durant and Kyrie signed four years? They signed three years with a player option. Okay. So they have four years basically, right? Three years with a player option is exactly what it is. Because again, if things don't work out, they can be gone in a year. They have no obligation to Brooklyn. They, they can be gone in a year. I mean, KD has, wanted, has said he wants to retire in Brooklyn. Yes, just but like Kyrie said he wanted to retire in Boston. And how did that work? I out? guess, but I'd rather take KD at his word because he's, he's been an honest guy oh, before. Yeah. So, he's, yeah, he was an honest he, he guy an in honest Oklahoma guy. City, right? We knew because Westbrook is a different, a totally different story. Whatever, I'm off this debate. You know, if you guys want to comment who won the debate, I know it was me, but you guys want to comment, should the Nets trade for James Harden? Yes or no? So this does it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. If you guys want to, you can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Pick Aside Podcast. And of course, if you haven't subscribed already, subscribe to our channel. And yeah, uh, see you guys next time.